0: This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast, episode 182. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton.
1: And I'm Lamno and let me hear your favorite impression of the dubstep vocalized Parasite anime opening. Because we are talking about Hitoshi Iwaki's classic uh, body horror sci-fi manga Parasite on the show today with some really special guests, Jason Thompson. Manga editor, I'm busy has so many titles, and we have Dawn from the Anime Nostalgia guys back on the show. It was so great to have these folks on as big horror manga fans. And just big horror fans in general, to come on the show to share their perspectives on Parasite as a series. It was really fun to revisit it and explore the characters' storytelling themes and see how well it holds up and still resonates after so long. It was really delightful to revisit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a lot of fun talking about Parasite as well. And, uh, you know, not to repeat myself too much because we do bring it up in the episode, but uh, it, it, was, it was nice to finally read all of Parasite. For once, because on my original Manga Corner episode that we did, I didn't have the chance to read all of it due to probably life stuff. So it was fun actually getting to like read all of the manga and kind of fixing that. But yeah, it was really cool to have Jason and Don on good discussion and uh, we'll get into it in a little bit. But um, I'm just going to put it out there because we do have like some behind the scenes stuff to kind of talk about a little bit. Uh, to you eagle-eared listeners, you may have noticed when I introduced the show uh, that I didn't say uh, the Maga Mavericks podcast was from allcomic.com, and there's a reason for that.
1: Yes, indeed, because we have rebranded the site just under the Maga Mavericks name. There is no longer an all-comic.com, though technically the URL is still the same, so there is. But now, if you type in mongamerics.com into your search engines, you will be redirected to the site. Because we have essentially rebranded all.com.com as mongamerics.com. Like, basically, we're steering the ship now. The ownership has been passed on to us. So, soon the website, if it's not already, will be kind of rebranded, like, visually to reflect that with a new logo and background and stuff like that. But yeah, basically, that's the big change, is that old dot as it were is no longer a thing so much as like now we are mo- old and we are mongamavericks.com. Uh, it's basically like just
0: now all under our name. Mm-hmm. We, we overthrew Tyler. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we really want to thank Tyler for you know, uh, running all comic and like being basically giving us a home, you know, for manga Mavericks, you know, for as long as we've been doing the podcast, but it it was just kind of getting to the point where, uh, he wasn't able to really like, you know, help pay for all the server costs, you know, on top of being a single father, you know, I'm sure that that was very hard on him, but, uh, so basically, yeah, like Lum said, we're running the ship now and, uh, You know, uh, not not a whole lot of like concrete details on like server costs yet. We will be introducing a new
1: tier on our Patreon because we have basically also inherited the costs of paying for the website and server, and those will run between $25 and $50 a month, and that's detached from the cost of producing the podcast, like the cost of maintaining our hipcast feed and stuff like that. So we will be introducing, if not already by the time you are listening to this, a new tier on our Patreon, basically a $50 goal, which at that tier we will be guaranteed to be able to pay all our costs for the website month to
0: month. Yeah, well, we'll keep keep you guys updated on like, you know, when we kind of have all that stuff set up. But for right now, you know, uh, just to put it out there, if you ever thought about like, hey, I really like this podcast and I I really want to support you guys. How can I do that? The best way you can do that for right now is to sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. It's really the best way for you guys to support our show. Like Lum mentioned, uh, before we were only just kind of paying to like keep the podcast up in particular. Uh, Now we're responsible for keeping the whole website up. And uh, again, that comes with a bit more costs than uh, we're kind of used to. So yeah, if you really want to help us like keep the entire site up, the best way for you guys to do that, again, is to support us on patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, Anything you're able to give us, it gives us help, and and we really appreciate it. Absolutely.
1: Now we're to never, like every dollar, every amount of support you could throw away would really help us out in paying for the site and making sure that, you know, we can fund the site and the podcast, like purely through like the income we're getting into our
0: Patreon rather than out of pocket. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting. I never thought I would uh, be a part of running a whole website.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let's be honest. We Lord's the one who's really running the website, <laughs> managing it. That's but fair, yeah. No, yeah. It's it's interesting that now we are kind of like the face of the website. It really has shown how it kind of has changed over the past five, six years. Because, yeah, originally, you know, we were just part of the larger ecosystem. And now we are essentially the website and the main, like, feature of it. So... Yeah, I nothing too different, I think, from a listener's perspective in terms of, like, how the show will come out or be done. But, yeah, I think just look forward to seeing some changes to the website and maybe some trickling in of uh, some more content ramping up.
0: Hmm. Very exciting stuff on the way. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, with all the housekeeping stuff out of the way for now, uh, I think we should just get on to our Parasite discussion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, let's go into a parasitic question. And before we do that, though, let me uh, pluck your hair to make sure you're not a parasite yourself. I gotta... know
0: I can trust you. Oh, no. Let's see if that hair of yours rigged. Oh, actually, um, so I, I just got my hair cut, actually, so I don't, I don't really have a lot there. Well, surely you have hair on other parts oh, of your no. body. No, they found me out! Oh, no! <laughs> Shoot him with the big lead bullets right through the heart.
1: Okay, now move those buses to cover it up, and we'll just continue with the plan. Surely the parasites can't sense that one of their own are going to be killed, so this plan will totally work without casualties. It'll totally go off without a hitch. So uh, while we cleaning that up, yeah, let's... Uh, let's distract you listeners uh, while listening to this podcast. Just pay no mind to what's behind these buses here. You get to know now it's we It's time to split our heads open and spell out all our thoughts on the classic horror sci-fi manga, Parasite, by the Toshi Iwaki. And we're revisiting this series and spilling our guts about it with a bunch of cool guests, including Dawn from the Anime Nostalgia Podcast. And Jason Thompson, who's worn many hats, but you may know him best, as an editor of a lot of Wiz Media series, including Chaman King, Yu-Gi-Oh! and JoJo. Hey everybody, thanks for having me.
3: Sorry for the <laughs> silence you cut off there and I didn't hear you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. But it's so awesome to have you guys on today to talk about Parasite as, you know, big fans of it, and especially of horror titles and horror manga in particular. And yeah, it was really fun to revisit it.
0: Yeah, this was this was really interesting to go back to. I'm really excited to have both of you on as well. And I guess before we like do anything here, um, Lum, do you want to talk real quick about what Parasite is about?
1: Parasite is about kind of a what-if question, almost. What if somewhere in the world someone thought, oh, the human population, if just a bit of it was wiped out, would the environment improve, or pollution improve? As if an answer to that wish, new life forms spring up on Earth that are start out as like these parasitic worms that attack humans and burrow into the brain basically eating it from the inside and then taking over the body and these new life forms later dubbed in the series parasites they basically prey upon humans and they they can transform their body because their cells are such that they can harden and they can expand and contract so the most iconic part of how they attack is that they open up their heads and kind of like this of spiral cut pattern and then they can form like long bladed whips that they can lash out and attack people with and our protagonist is a boy who's attacked by one such parasite or is almost taken over but luckily he was wearing headphones in his ears so instead the parasite gets stuck in his arm and just transforms his arm so he's able to basically communicate You know, with his new parasite buddy, literally his right-hand man, main man, and then they basically uh, go and investigate and combat different parasites that they encounter in their lives as... Shinichi wrestles with his own like identity crisis of whether he's still really human, and also with what he should do with the knowledge that these parasites are out there. Should he fight to you know protect the world from these things, or should he just fight to protect those closest to him? And that is essentially the premise of the series, and uh, it goes in really cool directions. I think one of the pleasures of revisiting the series uh, was really uh, Iwaki doesn't take kind of the more basic approach, you would think of like a very simplistic message about like who is wrong, who is right in terms of like whether the parasites have a right to exist or like humans need to fight back against these things for the sake of their own survival and all that stuff. And also like, oh, the, the obvious comparison of, oh, are humans the real parasites? So it has a, it has a more nuanced message and exploration of this concept and how people would react to the situation that I appreciate.
3: What if humans are the real monsters? Ooh.
1: I never thought of it like that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate it. It's a lot smarter than that. But yeah, I, I want to get into your guys's, uh, I think our like first and experiences with Parasite and our relationship with it over the years. And I, I mean, I want to start with you guys, Don and Jason, because I'm sure you were with it when it was probably first coming out in uh, Japan. And of course, coming out over here uh, stateside through Mix Magazine. Later Tokyo all the various re-releases over the years. So- oh yeah,
4: well, um, yeah. I remember I first discovered it when it was probably announced by Mix, which would have been in 1997, back when Tokyo Pop was called Mix Entertainment, and their goal was to do like a shonen jump style magazine. And yeah, I mean, I love science fiction and horror, and so I was really, I really was really impressed by it from the beginning. Um, and it was also a very controversial title for them to choose because, like, their other flagship title in the same magazine was Sailor Moon. So on mm-hmm. the one hand, you have this very all ages shoujo manga, and then you have this seinen manga with some someone getting their head ripped off and eaten in the first episode. So, um, <laughs> which is fine by me, but it was kind of a uh, yeah, it was kind of a disconnect in, in what they were presenting. I mean, certainly it was a wild mix of different series, that's for sure.
3: Putting the mix in mixing. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, my first uh, exposure to it actually was I heard about it through, um, weirdly enough, I heard about it through An America magazine before it was published in English. Uh, But back then it was better known as its Japanese title, which is Kiseiju, which like I think they translated that loosely to like parasitic beast or something like that. And I thought it sounded interesting, you know, because, again, I I love horror. I love sci-fi. And... It wasn't until the, uh, I, I didn't get to read any of it until the mixing version, obviously. But at first I didn't connect the two things together because, you know, Mix renamed it Parasite, you know, except with the, the cool Y in there instead of I. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's like edgy and cool and neat. Mm. Um, but then I was like, oh, wait, it's the hand, little hand guy, Lamigi. Um, but then they called him Lefty. Because in the <laughs> in the first printing they did, you know, we were still publishing manga American style back then. So we were still flipping stuff to read Western style instead of the original Japanese style. And so they were like, well, we can't call him, like, righty. <laughs> because... <laughs> Because in the, in every panel, he's on the left side. So they called him Lefty. And I was like, oh, okay, this is that one manga that I heard about, uh, with the weird hand guy. And, um, obviously I enjoyed it, but I also thought it was very, again, like Jason was saying, a kind of a strange choice because, like, for me, like, I love a mix of stuff. I love, you know, shoujo and horror and, like, all sorts of different genres, but to put such a almost adult content sort of title, like right in the same magazine as they were trying to do, like Sailor Moon and Rare Earth was <laughs> pretty bold back then. Uh, because I knew a lot of, uh, a lot of my friends were picking up the magazine to read Sailor Moon, obviously, because that was like the big news. Everyone was like, Sailor Moon, ah, oh! but. You know, then you flip through the rest of the stuff and like you you know, get to a page where it's just this a full page spread of someone getting their head chewed off, and you're like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> um, I think I remember at first they had actually toyed with the idea of putting parasite and the other one that ran in um mixine that was sort of like more. I guess, adult in content, even though not really, uh, was Ice Blade. And they were originally, like Mix was talking about, like, putting those two in the back of the magazine in like a perforated little section to where if you didn't like those, you could rip them out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. But uh, they, I guess they thought that would be too costly. So they were just like, now whatever, just throw it in there. It's fine. Because I, I know that after a while they did get, like, a, uh, a fair amount of complaints from fans because they were just like, I love this part, but I don't really like this stuff. <laughs> I don't know why, you know, you guys keep running this because it doesn't seem to go concurrent. But... uh yeah, that, that, I'm getting a little off track here, but yeah, that, uh, the, the English version that Mix did was, was my first like real exposure to the series proper. And, um, even with the edits, I was like, yeah, this is really interesting. And the premise is cool and the artwork totally rips. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: uh,
3: <laughs> I was, I was like all in for it. Uh, I know at the time I had a lot of friends who were like, I don't really like Parasite or the other one was Ice Blade. The the artwork looks so old and dated. And, you know, even back in the 90s, people were saying this. And whatever. And I was like, (laughs) "Uh, I don't quite agree. It's just a style choice. Like, you know,
2: Mm
3: -hmm. I mean, yeah, if I can cut in, I think I mean, a walkie style it's a
4: little stiff and i don't mean that as a criticism but it's just it's just a very it's a realistic style it's it's kind of flat there's not a lot of there's never like there's not a lot of exaggeration you know and and people's poses are pretty um everyone looks sort of steady uh most of the time it's very yeah it it doesn't have a lot of exaggeration or um cartooniness in in any way you know um
1: I wouldn't say that when there are, like, goofy expressions characters making, then he exaggerates a lot. And I actually appreciate that. Like, you know, often the kind of characters have, like, kind of the stern, serious expressions. But then, like, during comedy, when it's like, they can get really goofy and he, like, really exaggerates the teak with big, goofy grins. uh mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I,
1: I thought I enjoyed those a lot.
0: I mean, this could be a whole other topic of conversation, but, like, I think that's one of the reasons why I say I think I enjoyed the manga more than I did the anime, which is what I saw first. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh. It is the fact that, like, you know, clearly Iwaki is going for, like, a a slightly more realistic style in how, like, his characters are drawn, but, like, you know, especially with the existence of the parasite creatures, like, his characters are allowed to kind of look stretchy and goofy. You know, thanks to the existence of the parasites, I think he has a good middle ground of like sort of realism and, and cartoon in his style. I, I think it works personally. Well, that's that's fair.
3: Yeah, I feel like it's a lot more grounded in like reality than on some of the other like seinen stuff that is more popular with people. And you know, even though the character designs that he uses are pretty uh, – I mean, they don't look at – like, I, I don't look at his character designs and think, oh, that's a amazing character design. That's so masterful. But I think that his real talent is in creating these worlds where it's, like, really believable that, like, all this – weird stuff is happening um, yeah. like you look at his backgrounds and the settings like everything looks very believable and every day in a way that's you know it's not too simplistic but it's not like overly detailed it gets the point across very well and the fact that like you know his character designs are pretty uh, simple but like you know really well crafted are nice, because they're, it's easy on the eyes, and then when he gets to really go for it with, like, the monster designs and the transformations, I feel like it almost makes it more impressive, because it's so different from everything else in this world that the characters live in.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Absolutely. The adoration and the monster designs are, like, a great contrast to kind of the more basic-looking human characters.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. That disconnect and settling factor and the, and the goofy factor of some of the moments too. hmm
0: Real quick, I just wanna kinda uh talk about my history real quickly in that, because uh, I feel like I have to be transparent in that. Uh this is this is not mine and Don's first time talking about Parasite. We originally covered this topic on an episode of the now defunct manga corner. And um I'm kinda glad I'm getting the chance to like talk about the series again because if I remember correctly, uh I felt, and I'm not saying this is like Don's or JD's fault at all, but this is uh, this is my own fault that I I don't remember what was happening with me at the time, but I remember not being able to like finish the whole series before we got to talk about it. So I, I don't think I had like a lot to say about it, unfortunately. I listened
1: to it and you only read three volumes. So yeah, it was really JD and Don uh, leading the
0: conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel bad about being unprepared for that episode. So I'm glad I'm going to get to fix that today, actually. But um. Yeah, I don't think I knew about Parasite until the new anime came out and I remember a lot of people, you know, talking about it like while it was airing and seeing all the uh seeing all the hype and and discussion around it and kind of like hearing that in real time was kind of interesting and you know, I I did try the first couple volumes of the manga and I really liked what I read and I definitely wanted to like keep up with it and I just never really got around to reading the rest of it and you know, unfortunately I mean, fortunately unfortunately, I don't however you want to classify it uh you know my 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 best friend you know is also really super into parasite and loves both the anime and manga and was like hey you want to watch parasite with me and you know just for me specifically i'm more i am more of a manga over anime guy that's just kind of what i prefer so i was at first i was like oh but i want to read it first but a part of me was also like i don't know when i'm gonna get around to this because i take too long to get to anything so like i was like okay fine i'll try the anime and you know i i really like I, i don't know like I feel like by the time I finished the anime, I don't know what it was, but I felt kind of cold towards it after I finished it. Like, you know, it. I, I think we were kind of talking about it earlier. Like, I, I do like the manga over the anime in that, like, you know, we were just talking about how grounded the setting and the characters feel. But because of the nature of the parasite creatures, it does add more. Uh, it does add these more like cartoonish elements to it that make it feel exciting to read. It's not so grounded to the point where it's just kind of normal and boring, you know? Uh, and I feel like that's not... I feel like that doesn't really translate over to how the anime looks, unfortunately, which is probably part of the reason I wasn't into it, but...
1: Yeah, particularly with comedic exaggeration, they did not go as goofy as Inouaki's original art with some characters' uh, wild takes. And I don't think that the color palette in the anime let it down a little bit it looks a little too bright in the daytime a little too muddy in the dark whereas iwaki's original black and white art creates a real great sense of atmosphere even though he doesn't often do a ton of like screen tones or anything really he just does like cross out saving but yeah i mean he really is able to communicate a lot of great uneasiness in his art in a lot of different scenes
3: Yeah, his line work, especially in like some of those intense close-ups that he does is really, really good at setting, like, a sort of tense uh, or uneasy mood. Because it feels a lot like those, like, really dramatic sort of close-ups you'd see in, like, a horror movie or something.
1: Yeah. And with particular detail to the eyes. Like, there's just a chapter that opens with, like, a close-up on Shinichi's eyes. It's, like, super realistic. Like, the way he (laughs) renders every detail of the eye and the eyelashes. And it's, like... Not only that, but a to detail like, how eyes are drawn, and also kind of, like, you know, eyes are often considered windows in the soul. You can understand a lot of like, how a person is by looking at their eyes. Like, that's a, a point in the series, that when Shinichi, as he's starting to turn, like, a little more stoic and cold, people look into his eyes and glare in his eyes, and they take them back. And, yeah, like, he really communicates that uh, ferocity and that sense of, like, kind of danger in a person or a sense of kindness in a person through how he did, is really skillfully able to draw eyes on his characters
4: and all the parasites who almost all have this sort of dead eyes that are kind of staring blankly mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, because they have to learn how to – they basically have to learn how to, like, quote, be human. And some of them seem to get it better than others, <laughs> and others not so much. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and that's kind of the main – yeah, and that and ends up being sort of the, uh, one of the main plot points that evolves throughout the story, right? In addition to Shinichi – in addition to his sort of tormented internal struggles over whether he is still human, and basically his PTSD that he goes through, through most of the – uh the manga, right? So, I mean, who is yeah. who's the more human? Who's the more emotional? What is it? You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did read Parasite before the anime came out. Uh,
1: actually, my introduction to Parasite, you know, I heard about it a lot from manga community circles, but what really got me to read it was actually Your House of Towers and a manga article on it, Jason. And so, yeah, after that came out, late, like, I read it in like late high school. Yeah, like, uh, I read through the manga, I really enjoyed it. This was, like, a few years before the anime announcement, but, like, not too far in advance to, like... I was really, you know, excited. It's almost like I finished it just, like, a couple months before and then the anime got announced. It's like, oh, I'm super excited for this. But, uh, yeah, I have, like, gone back to Parasite, like, uh a few times over the years, but never like a full proper reread. And I had been wondering, you know, often like, would Parasite hold up as well as the remembered? And so that's kind of what I really appreciate about doing this reread. Is like, oh, yeah, like there's even more that I appreciate now reading it nearly 10 years uh, later from when I first read it. And in particular, yeah, I like how Iwaki writes Shirichi's character arc, his questioning of his identity, and how he intertwines that with As you mentioned, Jason, his PTSD and his trauma over like witnessing his mother's death, witnessing so much death, and not just kind of making him emotionally guarded and closed off, and then just like having to struggle and learn and how to allow himself to feel again, allow himself to express his emotion again.
3: Yeah, that's that's definitely something I appreciated too when I was reading it back in the day. That like here is a older teenage character. Who isn't afraid to talk about how he's worried about not just losing his, you know, quote, humanity, but he's like, you know, I should be feeling things like, why am I not feeling these emotions that like, I would usually feel. And I think it's like a great allegory into talking about how, you know, we process grief, we process trauma, um, how there's, you know, the stigma behind uh, male emotions and you know being able to express them properly without feeling shame or embarrassment and uh it's really cool to see something that was made like so long ago integrating these kinds of things into the story uh in major ways it, you know it's not subtle like it, it keeps happening like over and over how he que- he questions like you know like, is there something wrong with me? I can't seem to cry. I can't seem to feel these feelings that I should be feeling. Am and I human? Yeah. Like, does this make me like an alien because I can't cry? Like, I, I distinctly remember there's like a part where he like sheds a single tear and he's like, oh, a tear. Oh, my God. Like, he's so excited that he could cry that one tear.
0: That's a good moment. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Like, he has this, like, huge breakthrough that he can cry. And, it, you know, it just kind of makes you go, like, oh, like, yeah, you did it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I find it super compelling and well of like, how trauma can really have be able to, like, allow you to express feelings of sadness and, like, making you feel, like, distant and detached. Like, uh, I thought it was just very well observed, you know, based on my own observed experience, my own felt experiences. That, yeah, like, even in the face of, like, someone close to him dying later with Kana, like, he, even though he wants this, he can't cry, and that just tears him up. And he, that's what he allows me to, like, beat him up, like, kind of hoping he'll feel something. that doesn't work. And ultimately, he just, like, bashes his head against the tree, the cry tears of blood, which is, like, on the nose. But, like, I feel him in that instance, like, he's really been struggling with whether him becoming emotionally closed off is, like, a reflection of him losing his humanity. And I think it's just so cathartic when he is finally able to just really ball tears. Like yeah. mm-hmm. in the aftermath of you know, Waco's death and like in seeing his mother and her and getting that kind of closure in terms of like him reconciling both with the death of his mother and also with understanding that the parasite is capable of empathy and compassion in the same way a human can. That means that even he as someone part human, part parasite, that doesn't mean that he has lost that ability to feel and lost that ability to express those emotions. And that just breaks open that Lydia kept on his heart and allows him to just let it all out. It was just such a, such a powerful moment.
3: Totally. And that's one of the reasons why I really like horror as a genre, because, you know, a, a lot of people kind of like poo poo horror as, you know, Oh, it's all blood and gore and sex and like all this stuff. But horror is a really great platform for exploring things like feelings and trauma and, and uh, stuff that like, is hard to talk about. So the way that Iwati really like wrapped all those things up into something that you expect to just be like, you know, or just like a typical like gore fest or whatever, um, is really impressive.
0: No, for sure, um, Jason. You said you wanted to talk about the monster designs a little bit.
4: Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's one of the really unique aspects of, of the series. Um, I mean, I actually I did a, a project about, that I was re, I read like as many um, alien invasion type monster stories as I could a while back, and whether, of course. As we find out, the parasites are not are not exactly alien invaders, but that kind of seems how they're positioned at the start of the series, and that's what I had assumed for like many many books because st- it opens up with a shot of like the Earth as seen from space, yeah. right? And then there's these weird monsters showing up from nowhere, so that's something we can discuss later. But I think it's amb- left ambiguous for most of the, for most of the series. But it's I mean it it feels a lot. The obvious reference is the thing, you know, because there's these mm-hmm. shapeshifters. Um, Although the parasites are actually much weaker, if if I'm gonna get really like t- uh, shown in manga power level rating, the parasites <laughs> are, mu- are much weaker in the thing because they can't reproduce, um, and we never do, do see if they can reproduce, which is a major which is a major unanswered question. Um, but they can't like grow, and they can't you know, but they can of course eat people. And the interesting way that he expresses this visually is with this sort of. Um, I mean, they have this it's, it's the super speed, right? And they have the, and, and they, you know, they have, they take these blade-like shapes. So there's this super speed, super fast cutting, which is constantly happening in the series, which is really unique, that it's not just like a blob flowing over and engulfing someone, but it's just like the super, this incredible speed. Like, there's this, one of, the ma- one of the great moments that he does that visually is when the, um, I think uh, I don't remember the name, but the par- the multiple parasite is killing all the yakuza, oh, okay, and uh, okay. you see the yeah, and you see the shot where the yakuza it's zooming around the room, and you, you see the yakuza are still looking where it used to be because it's moving too fast for their eyes to follow it, right? But yeah, I think uh, clearly one of the standouts of the of the series visual look is the the monsters, but he also. Uh, he doesn't do what you know, another artist might have where he doesn't like have the he doesn't really I mean he sort of does but he doesn't really have different like leveled up versions of the monsters there's only one kind of parasite right and they never like turn out there's not like oh now there's a hairy parasite now there's a parasite that looks totally different it's even you know it kind of sticks, sticks it has its idea and it just explores it and sticks with it it doesn't really throw a, it doesn't throw a lot of curveballs um, there's not like an evolution of the parasites physically so in which in a sense like the monster loving side of me is a little, it was a little disappointed that it doesn't turn into one of those manga where, or shows where it's like suddenly there's like 50 types of monsters to keep track of you know but <laughs> but at the same time it's a more i think it's a more mature way of of doing it to not have this uh you know resident evil no now there's even more types of monsters you know
1: yeah that consists that consistency uh in how they operate yeah it does like lend credence to like oh this is like a new species that is just develop and these are kind of like the characters of like how their body transforms and it's always from a certain way it's always really about the head opening up into the to the blades and attacking from there is like the primary point and like the variation that we see are, of course are like with you know the the half human half parasites of shinichi migi uda jaw and then like the multi-parasite being of goto
3: oh i love uda so much <laughs>
4: yeah <laughs> yeah is yeah. one of my favorites
3: He's such a buddy.
4: I wish we saw more of him.
3: I would love it if they had, had somehow just done like a spinoff of just Uda and John.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're still together,
0: so.
3: Yeah, I would love yeah. like a short,
0: like, <laughs> Slice of Life spinoff with Uda. That would be, I would read that. That'd be right? really great. Oh, that'd be so fun. Yeah.
3: I loved when they introduced him because it gave kind of just like a little break in the tension for just a little while because like you kind of... Get to know this guy, and he seems like he's a little, you know, not, maybe not as smart or observant as Shinichi and Migi are. And he's just trying to, you know, live his life with this newfound parasite relationship that he's in with his little guy. And he's just not, not quite getting used to things yet. And so he's a little sensitive and he cries a lot. And I'm just like, oh, Uda. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he's very empathetic and considerate. Like, he, he's the one who strikes the blow on the parasite that killed Shinichi's mom because he, you know, didn't want him to kill his own mom. Mm-hmm. that was so sweet oh yeah and i really like him as a contrast to shinichi shinichi is someone who's like been cons- thinking all this time like oh no am i losing touch with my emotions because i'm now part parasite but uda who is someone who is also part parasite you know with jaws you know so overly emotional get, <laughs> you know it tells you to read it that just because like you know you are part parasite or the parasites themselves like they aren't in inca- that doesn't mean you're incapable of expressing emotion so it's a it's a good hint and seed of like you know just because shinichi has fused his cells with me and stuff that doesn't mean like he is incapable of expressing himself in the same way like uda can uh, eventually
3: yeah exactly
0: i want to go back really quickly to uh I think Jason brought it up earlier, the the fact that, like, Iwaki presents the possibility that the parasites were born on Earth. Because, you know, like we were saying, it is really easy to assume that, like, you know, because of the way the story starts off and everything, that, like, oh, yeah, the parasites are clearly aliens from, like, another planet. But, like, thinking back on it and, like, you know, I guess another point I want to bring up, uh, Iwaki's question corners are always really interesting. I'm glad that they kept those. I think readers actually send in a lot of interesting questions that Iwaki gives interesting answers to. But, um, yeah, I wasn't expecting Iwaki to just be like, oh, yeah, they were intended to be created on Earth. But I guess people can basically just kind of, like, take it however they want, basically. Like, it's – I like that the origins of the parasites are, like, just ambiguous enough to give readers, like, enough leeway to kind of, like – Oh, you know, kind of like theorize on their own, like, oh man, where where did they come from, or what was what was the point of their existence, or whatever. Like, it's 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 all really interesting, like fodder to think about.
4: Uh, I, yeah, I was, I mean, I, yeah, I kind of say I was waiting for that throughout throughout the series, you know, um, that was waiting for some reveal about that, which doesn't come, and I and then I was surprised that yes, in the. Uh, and the question corners, and also in an interview that uh, that was done with Ota- with Awaki in Otaka USA, he just straight up says, oh, the parasites were created on Earth. Uh, but I never got around to explaining it in the story. <laughs> story. so <laughs> Which then leads to other questions like, well, are they like a bioweapon that was created by some mad scientist? Essentially, a character like the mayor. So, I mean, because you would imply, basically, it's... A- pretty much stated the parasites are there to, to be predators of human beings. But then is it just something that arose that the earth is like, yes, I must create predators of human beings. And they just pop up out of ma- evolution magic or what, or is, are they like, is there some mad scientist whose backstory is we never get to find out? But yeah, so the nerd nerd part of me is a little disappointed that they never go into that. but um
1: I personally like the idea that the parasites are just a new life form that has just appeared on earth that there isn't like it isn't an invading species from outside of earth it is homegrown it is of the earth the same way humans are but it, it's not like a man-made creation it's just a new natural creation that is now like preying upon humans and now humanity has to reconcile and that they're not like kind of at the top of like this hierarchy of living creatures on earth because there is a new predator on them but at the same time that doesn't mean that humans and these parasites can't coexist which is how the story ultimately ends as parasites integrate into human society and they integrate into the daily life of all living creatures on this planet like just the the entire ecosystem of the planet of how different living creatures relate to each other and i think that kind of speaks to the general like Environmentalism theme of parasite that's kind of in the background. The, the general theme of like the nature of the relationships between living creatures. It's often in, like the question keeps coming up. is like, how different are parasites from humans really in terms of like their relationship in terms of preying upon different creatures for food and sustenance? You know, like Miggy questions to me is like, Oh, this is this really different from like humans raising animals as cattle and them or whatever? And like obviously, you know, there's I would say there's a difference for sure, Uh, but I think the quest, I think what the story is trying to lead to is like the parasites are just a living creature like the fact that they eat humans like doesn't make them like inherently evil it also doesn't mean that they're necessarily an existential threat to humanity and as living creatures there's just the, the question do they have the right to exist and i think ultimately the story concludes like yeah a lot of the parasites they are also just trying to live essentially and they're also figuring out the purpose of their own existence that a lot of them are ultimately do figure out, like, oh, we don't need to eat humans as much. We can live on other foods. So they evolve, too, as creatures. Ultimately, though, when it comes to the choice of, like, do I kill these parasites, the answer becomes, well, if I'm doing it, it's not going to be for the sake of humanity or for the sake of the Earth that I do these things. It's to protect those I care about. Like, that's the the answer Shinichi comes to when it comes to Gojo is that, like, Initially, he he has sympathy for Gocho like at it as he's dying, and he's like, "I'll just leave him be," you know. He's just another living creature. I feel you know some empathy for him, and then like Miki, like telling him, "How oh, so? Do you think the earth is beautiful?" And then goes on the stage. You know, I really don't like when humans are like saying. Oh, like we gotta do things for the sake of the planet. You know, the earth has never shed a tear, you know? And it just goes to show like, you know, ultimately a lot of us just individually are just trying to to live our lives. And I think the best we can and the best we can do really is to just protect the people we care about. And that's ultimately the choice you need to make. It's like not really about a grandstanding thing of like us versus them, like it's either humans or the parasites. Like, we can coexist, but ultimately... It's just in this situation between Shinichi and Goto, like, ultimately a personal choice had to be made yeah. mm-hmm. for Shinichi's part to protect who carried because he knew what Goto could do, or... You know, to be saying, oh no, I can't place judgment on him as an early future. Ultimately, she, she just had to make a very personal, very human choice. And I, I just like how Parasite navigates uh, just this situation and just this thought experiment of like, what if humans had to reconcile with like a new living creature on Earth that could prey upon them but also could coexist alongside them?
3: Right. Going back to the nature of like the parasites and and their whole history. I was actually really happy when I first read the manga that they never really delved too f- much into the, you know, mysterious background of the parasites and stuff. Because as a horror fan, and many other horror fans will tell you this, the more you know about the scary thing, the less scary it becomes. Mm.
0: For sure. Yeah.
3: So the first, like, half or maybe even more than that of the series, you really do have the same sort of fear of these parasites as like Shinichi does, because you don't know really what they are. But then like in the later half, when it does come become more of a little bit of like a philosophical question, like what Lum was saying, and you do start to think and form your own opinion on like, well, is it right for them to kill each other? Like, should we try to come to some sort of mutual understanding? Then it starts getting even more interesting because you don't necessarily know that much about them, but we have learned like periodically throughout the series, like as Shinichi and Migi grow closer they discover more and more about like the, the human parasite nature of them being together and what they can and can't do, their weaknesses and strengths, etc. And I think because we didn't know that much originally about the parasites, that I feel like you come to more of a organic conclusion. Yeah. And I like mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, it's not like, you know, oh, we're gonna be told, like, this is what they are, this is how they were made, this is what they were made for, and this is how you should feel about them now.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: So it gives the reader a little bit more, I think, freedom to come to the natural conclusion that most people do reading the series that, like, well, you know, are the questions that, like, the parasites bringing up, like, valid? Like, do they deserve to (laughs) be Uh, living alongside of human beings and you know all these like semi-philosophical questions as well and um, I think that makes it a lot more interesting because we're not just like being like I said like spoon-fed like this is all the information so obviously you should come to this conclusion you you come to it like a little bit more organically and I appreciate that because it it makes me feel like um, Awadi respected the intelligence of the readers
0: <laughs> yeah no for sure for sure there's not yeah.
1: any simplistic moralism I, yeah. one of the interesting you know comms is that how you know the opening narration is all about like the talk experiment of like what if people thought oh what if the population it was a little less? Would like nature heal or like with pollution like go less? And then at the time he he didn't really he wasn't plugged into like a bunch of environmentalist conversation or like conversations that were like saying, Oh, humans, you know, are like a parasites on the earth and like humans are bad and like the we need to reduce population or whatever to r- reduce the impact on the earth. And then so he created in this character of Hirokawa, kind of like a stand-in for that mindset. A character, a self-hating human who like identifies with the parasites and sees them as a vehicle to reduce the population of the earth for our environmental cause. You know, completely ignoring the idea of like, you know, the fact that most of the world's pollution is not on an individual level. It's like hundred companies cost 70% of it. But mm-hmm, I think it's yeah. like a good criticism of that. That perspective, though, that this idea of like, oh, humans are inherently destructive upon the earth, and like the actions of humans need to be controlled, stripped away, and like they need a predator to reduce their numbers. Like, obviously, you know that's not true. There's plenty of space on the earth with our population. Like, all the human population currently exists can fit into New Zealand, and so like that. And there's we produce plenty of like uh, food and resources, and obviously the pollution. Conversations before is like, just a select few people are really causing multiple pollution in the world. And so I, I appreciate the criticism of this idea. Is like, oh, humanity as a whole is a, is a plague or is it bad? In Hirokawa, like, we find kind of someone who is, like, blinded by that mindset, but ultimately that mindset is rejected. Because, like, the parasites do not have this higher purpose of, like, culling the Earth's population. Like, the impact that they have on the human population isn't that much, ultimately. Like, they basically... End- up integrating and coexisting alongside humanity so that's not the purpose reason the answer for the existence and that's not like the message of the series is that humans are bad ultimately the message is uh appreciative of like humanity and our capacity for empathy for forming connections like migi has this big you know, moment in which Esheny's reflecting upon him uh, towards the end of the series where it's like humans are bored, but it's that it's because humans are bored, like they can be true, truly amazing, can do some amazing things. Like because humans have like all our a lot of our basic needs in that it's, that, it's because of that that we can like philosophize and create art, intellectualize, and most importantly, form communities, connections uh, with other living creatures and other people. And uh, I'd like, that's the ultimate message of the story.
3: Yeah.
0: So basically, hashtag not all parasites.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and not all
1: parasites and not all humans. Obviously, in the series, we have an example of someone truly monstrous who is human. And like that's probably the most disturbing stuff is when we get flashes of what he's done. That's the most uncomfortable (laughs) and... Yeah, so, but, like, just because of the existence of that one person is not, like, an example of, like, oh, all of humanity is bad. Just like how the existence of Goto or other parasites who, like, don't think much of human life or much of life in general doesn't mean that the parasites inherently are incapable of empathy and compassion or living alongside humans, as Migi and Reiko and ja show.
4: I feel that you see this kind of like the villains are eco-terrorists thing a lot in 1990s uh, manga and anime like in Clamps X, uh, for example, and I think, and probably more recent examples too. I mean cuz then you get on the one hand yeah it's like yeah the planet is being there's a lot of pollution the planet is being destroyed but you know but maybe we don't want to maybe we don't actually want to kill all of humanity that maybe seems like a seems
0: like a seems a little seems extreme like,
3: yeah. yeah yeah just a little
4: and also like what you were you were talking about earlier was the very end of the series when um Shinichi decides to kill uh uh, I, for, I keep forgetting his name. Goto. Goto, thank you. He says, he's he says like, oh, I'm, I'm nothing but an ordinary human. I just want to protect. I just, the most I can do is protect my little family. So there's this sort of, and I think this is something that is, I see, a, I've see a, you see a lot in, in manga where there's like conversations about good and evil is that ultimately the heroes are motivated by local, by like, pro, they're motivated by protecting the lives of people they know. They don't really operate on like a grand you know they they don't really operate on like oh i must i must save the earth you know i must uh, save the whole world because those characters are typically cast as villains in in manga this is i'm speaking of talking with a really broad brush here obviously but like characters like characters who have more like broad scale idealistic goals are more like in the villain or like maybe the sympathetic villain sense like Hirokawa whereas the main character you know again Shinichi in this case he's motivated by local concerns and by people by like you know his friends his family etc
3: i mean even if you think of things like dragon ball like goku is mostly his drive is to like protect his family like uh the whole like oh he wants to protect the earth thing was kind of like a dub creation yeah. to be honest yeah.
0: uh allied a good
1: nightmare to you yeah, <laughs> yeah goku really goku <laughs> saves here just as a byproduct of like trying to do things for people he cares about or his own goals. Like the Red Ribbon Army, he destroys as a consequence of like, you know, he needs all the Dragon Balls to resurrect Bora. And then King Piccolo, like he killed his friends. And so he gets revenge and it just goes on from there.
3: Exactly. So the heroes that we usually empathize with are ones that we can relate to and who can't relate to the fact that like, oh, I want my family and my friends to live freely and safely. Obviously, like, yeah, it would be great to, like, quote, save the earth and all that stuff. But, like, ultimately, we're not thinking on that big of a scale because that's just too big. (laughs)
0: That's (laughs) not the main goal. Right.
3: it, It would be overwhelming. So I appreciate that realistically Shinichi is thinking like a teenager would. Like, oh, my God, like, I have to protect my parents and my classmates that I like and myself.
0: My probably girlfriend.
3: Yeah, my maybe girlfriend, question mark. <laughs> um,
0: I, I just want to say real quick, uh, something that really went over my head when I first watched the anime was all the like environmentalist stuff, which mm-hmm. and now that I'm paying attention to it, is really interesting, especially since, like I mean, this is just how I see it. But uh, just from reading Iwaki's thoughts on the story and everything, it really... It doesn't seem like the kind of thing he was going for necessarily. Like at first, it just kind of like made its way into the story. He just kind of happened to start uh, exploring that the further he went on into writing *Parasite*. I also, I also like that Iwaki basically comes out and is just like, you know, I was, I was writing about environmentalist stuff before everybody started talking about it. Basically, before <laughs> before it became the big thing, before it was cool, <laughs> and, and like and like it obviously became such a big topic of discussion. And he's just kind of like. I'm so tired of pe- people talking about this. Can people just shut up about it, basically? Like, I, I just, I don't know, just something about that I just thought was pretty funny.
1: Yeah. Now, I appreciate his critique.
3: Uh, It also just goes to show how long the topic of, you know, environmentalism has been a thing
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh,
3: in mainstream uh, media and entertainment. Like, obviously, this isn't the first ever manga that put uh, environmentalism in the story. Like, I'm sure Miyazaki would like a word. Uh but
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Here in Parasite, I think it feels subtle, though. It doesn't feel like it's constantly hitting you in the face about it.
3: It's definitely Mm -hmm. not bashing you over the head with like... Like, you know, save the environment, you dumb kids.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's not
4: Captain planet.
1: Um. <laughs> no, yeah, all around the same time. Uh, that Studio Ghibli comment's funny because wasn't Studio Ghibli, uh, didn't they consider or like have an inches of
0: adapting parasite at one point? Huh. I've never uh, heard this before.
3: Yeah, I haven't heard that either. That, that would be kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. Boy, yeah. P- Parasite directed by Hayao Miyazaki. That would be really interesting. Oh,
3: God. <laughs>
1: yeah, the environmentalism things would fit, but definitely not the gore. No. No. It would no. completely reframe. It's more of a buddy comedy, I think. <laughs> no, you
3: d- uh, I mean, I could see some ex-Ghibli people working on it because like, um, not to go on too much of a tangent, but like if you look at the Devilman OVAs, a lot of the people that worked on those were actually ex-Ghibli uh, animators. And that's why if you watch the old uh, Devilman OVA, like some of the character designs look very, very, very similar to like old Ghibli stuff if you, like, kind of squint at it a little bit, uh, <laughs> which is hilarious considering how bloody and uh, weird it is.
0: <laughs> I gotta watch this now.
1: Uh, yeah, Miyazaki bid for the rights for a Parasite when they went up uh, back in the 2013, but they lost them to
4: Toho. So. Oh my gosh.
1: Man. <laughs> wow. Is wow. so, so different. interesting. We
3: could have had a Ghibli Parasite movie.
0: From the studio that brought you Ponyo. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Oh man! I don't want to spend like a lot of time ragging on the anime, but honestly, I I think we would have gotten a more interesting product out of that. But that that's just yeah, I
3: know it would have been an
1: interesting film for sure.
3: It would have (laughs) been at least like a little less uh, uh... stiff. Yeah, 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 it would, it would probably be visually, like, maybe a little bit more interesting. But I do feel like if Miyazaki was at the home, like, he would probably focus more on the environmentalism message than anything else. Uh, and maybe tone down some of the, <laughs> the violence. But, I mean, I don't know if that's something you want to talk about, like, you know, maybe some of our nitpicks with the, with the anime. Uh, but something that still bothers me to this day is the fact that they decided to make it in a modern setting instead of keeping it in the late 80s, early 90s.
0: We really missed out on that 90s fashion.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Right. The the thing that I think bothers me about like when a company decides to do an adaptation of something old, but then they put it in a modern era is like you're ultimately changing a lot of the context of what is happening and when it happened, because yeah. those things can be huge on the story, Uh especially considering like, you know, for something that was supposed to take place in the late 80s, early 90s, Parasite has like its believable moments because it's kind of grounded in the reality of the time. If something like that happened now, like Shinichi would have never been able to keep his secret because everyone nope. has cell phones. Every- Someone would have seen something.
0: One sneaky photo and one tweak would have destroyed him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Social media would have completely <laughs> changed the landscape of how this story would have developed. And exactly. Yeah, the- New anime does not really explore that deeply at all. It just adapts the story as it was, but, like, it's just set present day.
3: And plus there's, like, way more cameras and security everywhere. Like, somebody would have caught something on video for sure.
2: For sure.
3: And then, you know, like, then the story starts falling apart because, you know, he's supposed to be keeping this a secret and all this other stuff. And I also didn't like the fact that they decided, like, uh, we need a more visual representation of when Shinichi is changing. (laughs) So we got to give him glasses. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) he doesn't need them. Like he's Peter Parker in (laughs) Spider-Man.
0: See, viewers, he used to be a virgin, but now he's a Chad because he doesn't have glasses. (laughs) Oh boy! I mean, in
3: the manga,
1: it's communicated just by his hair slicking back. Yeah, Yeah. I was gonna say,
3: like in the manga, it is a little like kind of like in his
1: swagger, like his like his body language does change. Yeah, really, right? Right. I appreciate it's a little more subtle than in the anime. It's like, oh, he takes off his glasses. The glasses are big visual metaphor. Do you get it? Makes it a little more pandering to the viewers
3: like in the in the manga it is a little like oh yeah he's like big and tough so his hair is cool now it's like yeah 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 okay <laughs> he's
4: got spiky hair basically he's got he's shown <laughs> in hero hair yeah
3: Yeah, he's got Shonen hero hair now. We get it. It's cool. But at least you can just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then just like, you know, move on. Uh, The glasses thing in the anime was just like, really? Oh, I guess. Okay. Uh." But a lot of my nitpicks also with the anime have to do with the fact that like, it feels like a lot of studios and animators and directors in anime today don't really know how to handle horror all that well.
2: Mm, Yeah.
3: Because it's like you said, Like the daytime scenes are too bright the nighttime scenes are too murky the tension doesn't really feel like it's there the stakes don't quite ever feel the same as they do in the manga because we kind of you know they play it kind of safe and straightforward and so we all know what's coming and blah 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 and you know it's kind of unfortunate because I feel like if this had been made if the anime adaptation had been made like in the late 80s early 90s when the manga was like new and fresh and just coming out, maybe. Uh, we could have gotten like this really cool, like cell painted, really beautifully animated, like maybe OVA or film or something. Oh, what could have uh, been? On, on par mm. with like the Devil Man OVAs or, or like something from Madhouse, like the X movie or, you know, something of that caliber. And it could have been really cool and dark and, and you know that weird combination of like '90s, like grim, dark anime kind of stuff, uh, with with the you know maybe tag on the hopeful environmental stuff at the end. But you know the 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 newer adaptation just didn't really get there. It it, it was kind of just like, oh, kids, did you like Death Note? Well, you're gonna <laughs> love this. <laughs> oh
1: gosh.
0: <laughs> Which oh is, man. You
3: know, It's fine. Like if you're a teenager and you love, you know, that kind of stuff, like it's going to be right up your alley. And that's cool. It's like baby's first horror (laughs) slash body horror (laughs) thing. Like we all need a stepping stone for stuff like that. And that's totally fine. But for older fans like me who are like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I've been there, seen that, you know. Uh I was hoping for a little more but yeah <laughs> But you know the manga is still there and the manga is great and Nothing can replace that, so. You Thankfully, know. yeah.
0: I mean, it survived at least uh, three English publishers at this point. Yeah.
4: yeah, my goodness.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say the greatest achievement that the anime got was that we got the manga back in print because for a while it was out of print and uh, the volumes were getting significantly harder to acquire. Mm-hmm. So uh, when they announced that reprint of it, I was just. Oh, I'm so excited about that. Because I had somehow like back in the day had not finished buying all of them. Uh, so I was like, no, when I realized some of the volumes were becoming like ridiculously overpriced online. But now it's like, now you can buy it digitally. You can buy them in print. Like,
0: Humble Bundle was offered literally every volume of Parasite through various Humble Bundles that you can yeah. buy for significantly cheap. That's how I got my volumes.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's how I got my digital volumes. I have. Uh, well, I used to have it in print, but then I got the digital Humble Bundle, and I was like, well, I don't really need them anymore <laughs> <laughs> uh, because now I have you know full pdfs that i can download off my humble bundle whenever i want thank you humble bundle <laughs> and plus it's also on um like a bunch of manga services now like it's on like azuki mangamo yeah so it's it's really nice to see parasite so freely available again
0: mm-hmm, for sure it's kind of hard not to find a place to read it nowadays honestly mm-hmm. which, right? which is a good which, which is a <laughs> which is good, a good problem to have. It's not really a problem, yeah. but, you know. Yeah. Problem? Question <laughs> There's too much parasite. What are we going to do with all this parasite?
3: <laughs> oh, it's like the meme where Sabrina has all the pancakes. Oh, so much parasite. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: But, uh, yeah, no. I mean, um, I mean I- I'm sure there's, like, so much more we could talk about. Uh, uh, for listeners, we have to keep this kind of short today. Do we have any other, like, real straight thoughts we want to or any other topics we want to talk about with parasite before we get into questions soon
1: i guess a question i w- just want to pose to everyone is like who is their favorite character uh just to close off our discussion and i am curious about you or because i'm really listening to your Monocorn episode none of the characters uh, you said really st- struck a uh, chord with you so i wonder if like that has changed uh, upon readings through the whole series
0: You know, actually, thank you for bringing that up, because that was one of my things that, so, I mean, uh, I don't want to accidentally, like, get into final thoughts or anything, but, like, you know, I have a really weird relationship with Parasite, where I think Parasite is very good, and, like, the more I talk about it, and, uh, you know, the subject matter it's trying to tackle and everything, I I appreciate it the more I talk about it, but Parasite's one of those things where, like, I, I think it's good, and I enjoyed it, but I, I just kind of think it's good. And that's kind of it. Like, I, I don't I don't know how else to put it. Like, it doesn't really, like, necessarily resonate with me like other manga do. But I still, I still enjoy it a lot. Um, and I think that has something to do with, like, how the characters are written. Not that they're written badly or anything. Uh, you know, I, I was very invested in, like, Shinichi's character arc and everything in particular. But, um, and I think Iwaki talks about this. I, I think at the end of at the last volume where, uh, you know, his style of writing basically comes down to, oh, well, basically, I'm going to come up with these scenarios and have the characters uh, basically dictate how I write the characters based on the scenarios I write, which I feel like makes Parasite a very like it's it's a very plot driven story, I think, which I'm I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But like, and I'm also not saying there aren't interesting character stuff to think about, but you know, I am I am more of a fan of like character driven stories, and I don't feel like Parasite is always that, but that's just me.
1: I personally feel it is driven a lot by Shinichi's character, and I think that uh his- whole crisis identity is all like crisis with what he's going to do is like kind of the core guiding force throughout the story so i personally do find a lot of parasites things to be in shinichi's character and in other characters like i think reiko is a super interesting character and how she did also just like having a curiosity about humanity and curiosity was just like what are parasites as a creature what are we capable of and then just slowly forgetting to form like her own like emotions and then her own feelings like besides like just like this uh kind of analytical point of view she actually generally forms like compassion for the child she's taking care of and then she starts to form like more of a playfulness uh, and kind of a more of a sense of like identity in terms of like of her inner herself and uh, I, one of the most really great sequences in the series for me is like when she's like fending off the parasites that see her as a threat, and she's just like really joying with them, and like she has splits her head off, uh, basically like <laughs> p- puts part of herself into another parasite, and then just goes off running to the town, cackling, and she's just having a blast. <laughs> like she doesn't care anymore about being covert or anything. She's just having fun. And then later when those two guys come up to approach her and like you know. Hit on her. She has the great gag of like splitting her head open and saying, "Oh, look, I'm empty," and then just <laughs> running nothing while her head still split open. That's so, a good moment. It's a lot of strong characters and character moments like that that I think really compel me to series. And in revisiting the manga, I felt that oh, it's so much stronger on a character level than I had remembered. And i I really did just super gravitate toward and felt super compelled by and. Uh, empathize with Shinichi's, you know, struggles through his trauma and grief and learning to like reconnect with his emotions. So, mm. for me, I, I I resonate with that the most strongly.
0: I I think Tamara probably is the best character besides Shinichi in the series, and I think that's I think my one nitpick with how the manga is written is that like I think she's the most interesting like antagonist in the story, and unfortunately, you know, we wrap up her story. I feel like you know, pretty early on, and then all we have to all we have left to deal with is, you know, Hirokawa and Goto, which um I'm I'm not really as interested in as far as like uh the antagonistic characters go, just personally speaking.
1: They're simpler, though I do like Goto. Goto is another character he's developed in a different way from Tamura, in that he has also formed like kind of his own personal like sense of like identity in terms of what he wants that's beyond like just the preservation of himself and like feeding on humans. It's like he gains this he kinda becomes like a shonen uh villain and then he like just really likes to fight. Like he sees himself as like an apex predator.
0: He becomes UP from Hunter Hunter. Uh
1: yeah, I guess. Like a, he really <laughs> wants to test his power, he wants to get into interesting fights and so he basically like as practice is just playing around, like goes and fights old Zakasa. There is no other reason to that, other than just to, to test like how skilled he was and I'm I really love that Suiken because he's just trying to see how many people he can kill uh, without injury to himself, and it's just like a big game to him. And that's also his fascination with Shinichi is like, oh, this is someone who has power that could give me a good match, and I could test myself against. And so I, I actually find him very interesting on that level. He develops in a completely different way from Tamura in terms of like having his own driving desire.
4: Lum, I agree with you, and I guess uh, with you as well, Colton, that uh, I think Tamura is the most one of the most interesting characters. It's really interesting how she develops and how she is because is sort of the the, uh, the you know the most obvious example of a parasite who develops in towards something like empathy, right? Um, and the uh, when it starts out, the whole plot where she's having a child, it's sort of really sick and horrifying. You know, it's just it, the, the scenes of this neglected child are, are really really scary. I mean, my, for myself, I, I you know, mean, I become a parent, uh, you know. A year and a half ago and uh so it's extra so you know these kinds of scenes are extra extra, extra traumatic to look at you know and to think about mm-hmm. so i think that's that's really interesting and um her role in the series is, is really cool and i i do think it's sad that she um I do think it's sad she doesn't make it all the way to the end and so yeah i think she's she's really great uh and if i had one nitpick it's that it's kind of uh it's kind of a stereotype that it ends up that she sacrifices herself for the sake of motherhood. It's kind of gender essentialist and kind of oh, okay well this is this is where this is going, but still I think she's still it's it's very the idea of the parasite having a, a baby that of course is not genetically the parasite's baby, but then they can too still can develop a connection I mean to it it's very that it's very interesting and how it it's uh, and yeah and in general she's a fascinating character mm-hmm. yeah. I think that origami is also really awesome in a disgusting and evil way. Um, and, it's, uh, and I guess they, if he they wanted to pad the series out, he could have shown up more towards the end, but then it would have gotten really grim because all he can do is just murder people and be say disgusting, evil things. Um, so maybe maybe it works that he just shows up for the last he just goes away and spoiler shows up for the very 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 end, but um but I mean yeah he also is interesting well written and serves a purpose in the story um yeah those are my favorite characters besides besides uh, you know Miki and the hero of course yeah what about you
0: Don
3: um. I kind of mentioned earlier, but I really love Uda because if something like that happened to me, that would be me 100%. Like (laughs) like, I would be constantly just sitting there like being very emotional about like (laughs) having to deal with this uh, parasite thing living in my jaw and my upper torso (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and just crying randomly for no reason, because, you know, I do that anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, But I just, I really love the, the, you know, like we were talking about earlier, the sympathy and the emotional sort of break in the tension that we get with him. And he brings a little bit of like, you know, a a softer sort of side to like, you know, hey, actually, you know, it's we can maybe live with these things. And it's not all bad, you know, it's not as grim dark as we might think it is. And I just love that about his character. And plus, he's just so sweet and nice and pleasant. Uh And it was nice that Shinichi could meet somebody for a change who was like, you know, a buddy and who could help him out and actually cared about him. And, uh, his problems because he could relate to him. And, uh, I really enjoyed that. And also, I don't know why. I've always loved Miggy. He's just so, like, matter of fact and blunt. And he's almost kind of like that voice we all have that's like, well, we know this to be true about people, but we just don't say that in polite company.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's like a reflection of, like, Shinky's, like, rational side sometimes.
3: He's basically, like, he's thinking with, like, the the very base emotions of, like, every human being. He's the
0: right side of the brain.
3: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he plays off with Shinichi very well. Like, when they are having their little talks together, he's very much the, uh, almost like the straight dummy, even though he's very smart, because he just doesn't understand, you know, polite society or what is deemed socially acceptable or things like that. And he has to learn that through Shinichi's constant yelling and screaming at him. And I also just think that, like, Miki as a character is like, you know, cause Miki's like, kind of like the mascot character of Parasite, right? And in a way, he's like this cute little blobby thing. Like he, he almost reminds me of, um, the slimes in Dragon Quest. He's just this little blobby <laughs> guy. Uh, that's like kind of drawn cutely sometimes. <laughs> like, he's just this funny looking little blob dude. But he can also be like super scary, you know, when he transforms into like, you know, a big bladed weapon or whatever. But like, if you actually look, there's like all these, when the when the anime came out, they made like all these little toys and plush and keychains <laughs> of like Nigi that like actually look kind of cute in a weird sort of gross way. And I always kind of liked that because <laughs> i was like it's it's so funny how we can take this like character that like is technically kind of like if you think about it too much he's like scary and weird and gross but like in a way he's almost like weirdly cute sometimes
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
3: and i always kind of love that idea of like grotesquely cute or cutely grotesque like things i think anime and manga especially have a interesting way of playing with those two parallels Mm -hmm. and parasite is definitely something that does that like extremely extremely well
0: for sure yeah
3: but overall like i also really do love um reiko as well like i think she's like a super interesting villain and we don't usually get like you know a big bad villain of a series who's you know coded female who's like truly like going into like traditionally feminine traits and exploring them as like, you know, deeply and like kind of scarily as possible. Like the whole, like Jason was talking about, like, you know, her whole relationship with the baby and how that's like very unsettling and unnatural at times. And that's what makes it so like creepy. Um, It's not perfectly played out. Like I do agree that like it does kind of – feel a little played out that, you know, she dies for the sake of motherhood or whatever. Like, that's, you know, something we see a lot. But I feel like in the context of her character, that was really probably one of the only ways for her to go, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I do appreciate that that whole aspect of, like, the nature of the parasites was explored that way. And it was just very cre- – like the, the the part that I think is one of the most creepiest is when she comes home and her babysitter was like, oh, the baby just won't stop crying. And she just holds its head and is like, shush, and it stops. <laughs> and she's like, haven't I trained it really well? And the babysitter is just like, I am out of here. I am <laughs> gone. This lady is this lady is freaking me out.
1: <laughs> that is tricky. Oh, the oh, scene man. where she
3: also practices laughing and
0: her baby's, like, crying in the closet <laughs> while she's probably
3: laughing. I, oh, so. yeah. Oh. That's <laughs> creepy. <laughs> Actually,
0: my, my my favorite moment with her is, uh, I think, when she goes to visit her mother uh, or her mother comes by her place or whatever and she's wondering what's going on and her mother's like, you're not Tamara, And then she kills her and then Tamara has to be like, well, how, how did she see my, through my disguise? Like, I look like her. Like... You know, it it shows that like clearly the parasites operate on more logic than emotion, and I thought that was a really good right. uh, example of that.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also just like just super unsettling
0: because
3: <laughs> you know moms know these things. They you know again we we go back to sort of the you know stereotypical like well of course her her real mom was like you're not my daughter.
0: <laughs> it's a mother's intuition.
3: Exactly.
1: Yeah, my other comment, going back to Niki though, I I also appreciate, like, yeah, I think he's just a perfect mascot design. I love his design. And, you know, his character development in the story is, you know, to be expected, uh, like the inhuman character slowly gets more empathy, uh, you know, as his relationship with the protagonist grows. But I do, at the moment, I really find striking, like, it is very compelling that he, sort of is, it's like he's sacrificial to the point of, like, you know, in the fight with Goto, he tells Shinichi to run away and leave, like, himself behind, and it's like, he's having this whole thought about dying, and while he's also reflecting about, you know, how he was glad that he didn't take over Shinichi's brain, and so that he could have fun together and be friends. But then, I think one of the, the moments that also really struck me, though, was, like, at the end, when they were considering what to do with Goto, like, Miji can't bring himself to kill him. And that's just a huge change, I think, for him to have, like... Because initially, early on, Mickey did not care about killing other parasites. He only cared about his own self-preservation. He just, you know, because he he didn't have the same, like, uneasiness that Shinichi did about, like, killing other humans. Like, he didn't really care about killing others of his kind. But, like, he's grown to a point that now he can, like, empathize with Gojo. And also, having been a part of him, like, he feels too much familiar and closeness that it's just uncomfortable for him personally like he, this is like a, a real showing of how much humanity media has grown up to that point is that, I mean, he makes this he feels like he can't bring himself to kill Goto mm-hmm. and I, I really found that fascinating
4: I, I hate to say this but I actually have to get going soon um, so I don't know if uh, I should, should I skip out or do you feel that we
0: are all close enough to go to sort of a final thoughts?
1: Yeah I think we'll head into our wrap up
0: yeah, Jason. If you just want to give your final thoughts and then uh, just plug your stuff afterwards, and then you can go, then I, I think we're good from there.
4: Uh, well, uh, yeah. Final thoughts. Um, I'm I'm not sure what to say. I I think it's an impressive. I, I mean, it's a it's a it's a manga that's very meaningful to me personally because it's one of the first manga of its type that I that I read. Honestly, um, I don't mind a good monster of the week manga, but I'm, I'm, it's you know it takes a different path and doesn't become a monster of the week manga. And uh, you know, instead, it just explores what it has very very deeply. You know, I would I wish someone would translate. Would uh, I don't think that yeah his his other um, current long manga his history hasn't been translated. Yeah, has it?
1: I, I would love to see that translated. Because mm-hmm.
4: I I love that time period I love that sort of ancient Greek uh, Alexander the Great time period and uh, it's I you know I'd love to see it although uh, clearly a million miles from parasite in terms of subject matter yeah uh, I really had a, a a great time talking with you all uh, and um, thanks so much for having me on um, alum Don Colton I uh, I've I've got to go take care of my own child right now so they're
0: not left (laughs) screaming in a closet. (laughs) Uh, No, that's okay. Thank you you so much for coming on, Jason.
1: Thank you so much, Jason.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, you all.
4: Um, I really appreciate it. Stay well. No problem. Bye, Jason. Bye.
3: Bye. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Yeah, happy
0: Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Don, do you, I guess, do you want to go into your final thoughts on Parasite?
3: Well, let's see. So final thoughts on Parasite. Um, I feel like a lot of people kind of poo poo the manga because they're like, oh, it looks really dated and old and, and all that stuff. But like, honestly, if you are looking for a really solid horror manga, it's a classic for a reason. Like, I I know it was one of the first sort of like, legit horror manga that really came out here and made it big. Mm -hmm. And I, I wouldn't say it's like the best horror manga ever or anything like that, but I feel like, you know, if you can stand very like visible and explicit gore, I feel like it goes through really a lot of super cool themes like we talked about. I feel like the monster designs are like super creative and cool and great and we don't really see a lot of that in a lot of manga that's coming out today. I feel like a lot of the the horror manga we see today is pretty straightforward and the monsters all kind of, you know, have a sort of zombie-like look or similar. And it's really hard for me to think of any other manga where they just really, really went super hard on, like, <laughs> the monster designs. You know, like, every time, you know, I open an one of the next volumes in those chapter splash pages come up with like a really cool piece of art of like one of the transforming parasites, whether it be Shinichi or Goto or just like a random one that they come up with. Like they're always just like so fun to look at. Like Iwadi just really took his time to be like, okay, so if I stretched a human head and added some eyeballs and some weird teeth, like what would that look like? And They're just like so out of this world. I just love, you know, (laughs) pardon the pun. But uh, yeah, I really do think it often gets overlooked by new readers. And I feel like if you watched the anime and you thought it was like maybe so-so or okay, or even if you really, really liked it, I feel like you owe it to yourself to give the original manga a shot. Because if you liked the anime, like I feel like the manga is even stronger. Because... It, it has a lot more time to set the mood. It has a lot more time to let you, like, feel for these characters and, like, uh, learn more about them and grow a little bit more attached to them, maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. And most importantly, it has uh, lions escaping from the zoo and fighting uh, other parasites.
3: That was <laughs> yes. one of the
0: best scenes, yeah.
3: That was that was so cool, <laughs> like, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, like, I just... Uh, I will always, always recommend Parasite to anyone who's asking for, like, a horror manga, because it's a classic for a reason. It's just really, really cool and different and interesting. It's kind of like Jason said, like, if you liked The Thing, if you liked Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, if you liked the cool, weird, grotesque body horror of Akira, like, you'd probably enjoy this. Like... Even on some level, it is just it's just really cool.
0: It's cool. um speaking as someone who went from the anime to the manga uh and you know uh, felt kind of cold after finishing it mostly. um I think I definitely do like the manga more. and like I said, the, the more I talk about parasite, I think the more the more I like it because I, I think a lot of the stuff it was going for, I feel like really kind of went over my head the first time I watched it. Because I just kind of assumed it was like a big dumb action thing. Which it is sometimes. But, you know, it has a lot more going for it that I I definitely didn't really take notice of the first time I watched it. So I definitely appreciate finally, like, going over the manga and getting to finish it uh, for for real this time. Uh, And, um, again, for anyone who cares, I think I gave this like a 7 out of 10 on any list. But the more I talk about it, the more I would be willing to give it like an 8. I think, because it is, it is very good. And I do appreciate a lot of the subject matter it tries to tackle. And I think it tackles it very well. Like, we, we, we can joke that, like, sometimes it does feel kind of like, oh, man, was the monster all along. It has kind of shades. It's not even
1: the message, though. Of...
0: No, it, it has, like, shades of that in there. And I feel like if you were doing, like, a like a very shallow reading of it, I think that's how it could come off to some people. But it's it's definitely a lot more nuanced than that, for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like, uh, I, I mentioned it before, but yeah, rereading the manga was really a pleasure because I was wondering how well it would hold up, but reading the first volume, like, I was, I was wondering, like, will this come together in the same way that uh, I felt it did? And it really did, like, it really pressed me all over again, I... Especially with Shiniki's character arc. Like, I, I feel like I empathize with it even more strongly now, uh, and after 10 plus even more years of experience. And, uh,
3: I think it helps that considering the era it was made, it almost feels like it was made just in the perfect time because. It's not so modern that everything feels completely outdated Mm -hmm. like the second you're done with it. And it's not so old that you feel totally disconnected by the life that these characters lead. It feels familiar enough and in a certain era that's like, I guess, you know, quote, timeless enough to where it doesn't feel super old, but it still feels kind of fresh.
2: Mm-hmm, for
0: sure absolutely
1: no it, it takes place at a really perfect time and place uh that yeah it, it still feels modern but obviously it isn't set in the present day so it it's you know it doesn't deal into conversations of social media surveillance uh stuff and all that stuff that would be interesting to see in, like a new take on the story but by avoiding all this stuff it focuses on other themes that i really appreciate and character arts, I really appreciate. And it was just nice for you reading the manga and then just coming out with the feeling of like, wow, that was even better than I remembered. Because like, you know, there have been manga we've covered in the show that uh, often are not like that. I mean, we covered Doro earlier, and I still really liked Doro, but you know, didn't quite hold up as well as I had
0: hoped. It's uh, not perfect, that's for sure. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's other yeah. <laughs> series we've covered on the show that I uh, have come out, you know, not liking as much as before. Uh, infamously, Bakuman. Uh, so yeah, you know, there, <sighs> there. I, I, it's just nice to have this feeling of revisiting series and coming out and saying, like, man, yeah, I, I f- am thinking about this and impressed with this all over again.
0: Like, I'm fine with considering this a classic. I think it deserves that moniker personally. Mm-hmm.
3: Totally, and I am really glad that we did eventually get a way better release than that original Tokyo pop one mm-hmm. uh, with, with all their very <laughs> I- interesting changes.
1: Didn't even have the balls to have the dick joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll use that as a transition here real quick. Cause we, we did get a few Twitter questions that I think we should at least answer like one or two before we head out here. Um, And yeah, at Sailor Soapbox did want to know about how he felt about the mixing Tokyo Pop localization. And Don. I think you'd be the (laughs) the expert on this.
3: Oh, man. So like, you know, when I first read it, I didn't realize so much of it had been edited. uh, Because, you know, I didn't have, you know, the Japanese volumes to compare it to because I never bothered to pick them up or anything. But then when... Uh, Del Rey picked them up uh, because Tokyopop never finished running the whole series in graphic novel format. Uh, I was really excited. I was like, oh, cool. This will be like, you know, unflipped. Uh, I know, you know, lefty won't be lefty anymore. That'll be nice. (laughs) Um, But then when I compared it to like those old uh, mixing chapters that I had, I was like, wow, they actually changed a lot of things that I didn't realize. Like the whole... Um, dick arm thing, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, was kind of a shock to me because...
0: So wait, how, how did they change that?
3: Uh, so in the original conversation, like he's talking to her and I think even in the original Japanese, like she's talking, he's like, you know, is there anything that scares you? And she's like, oh, not really. But, but then she says, oh, except snakes, I guess. And... So in the original manga, like, later on he turns around and, like, his arm is <laughs> shaped like a dick, uh, famously. <laughs> uh, and later you find out it's because Migi was like, well, you were thinking about her and, like, mating and stuff. And so I was, you know, just reflecting that. But in the Tokyo Pop release, I guess they were like, well, that's – we're not going to get away with that at all. Uh, so they edited his arm to be a snake.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I yeah, have never I, seen uh, that, yeah.
3: And it wasn't even a really good snake. No. It was kind of like a cartoon. <laughs> it drawn. was like a cartoonish mm-hmm. sock puppet looking snake. <laughs> <laughs> Who, whoever redrew it,
0: that, that's really and funny. Like
3: I understand why they did that because I mean that was going to be running in the same magazine as you know Sailor Moon. So they were like, we can't have just this guy with a giant dick arm in the magazine. <laughs> Like, that's gonna make some parents pretty angry. Which, which is hilarious when you think about it because there's like all this very visceral gore and blood and stuff, but like, oh my god, do not show a dick.
0: Could, could you imagine if they had got as far as uh, uh, Shinichi and Murano's sex scene?
2: Mm. Oh,
3: oh. <laughs> I mean ugh. I d- I don't think Tokyo Pop was really thinking that far ahead. They no, were just no. like they were just like, yeah, this will be great cuz you know, we're going to have some scene we're going to have some series for boys and series for girls and it's going to be cool and they probably didn't read all of it through before they decided to release it.
0: The Wild West of manga publishing back then.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. well, back then, uh, Mix, you know, Tokyo Pop was just kind of licensing everything they could get their hands on because they could. Mm-hmm.
1: No, that did their downfall.
3: <laughs> yeah, which was part of their downfall. Um, so, like, that was, you know, that's a very notorious edit that they made. They also made the weird choice of calling Shinichi Shin.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
3: Which I thought was bizarre. I was like, okay... You, uh, I don't understand the, the logic of changing his name to just being a shorter version of his name. Like,
0: c- kids can't remember Shinichi. I,
3: I guess, I don't know. It, it really confused me. I was like, you know, is there a reason? And then I think in the original, they also changed some of the other characters' names to be more Americanized. Because I I think it was still around that time where people were still like, well, kids aren't going to like empathize with people with weird foreign names, you know, uh, because they also, you know, when they did Sailor Moon originally, they kept the the Americanized TV anime names from from the Deke version. So like everyone was Amy, Ray, Lita, Mina, Darian, um
1: <laughs> Melvin.
3: Melvin, although they made the the interesting choice to instead of straight up calling her Serena, their version of Sailor Moon starts with like, on the very first page, she says something like, you know, my name's Serena, but everyone calls me by the nickname Bunny. And then they call her Bunny throughout the whole thing, which I guess was their way of trying to be like,
1: translating Usaki yeah
3: like we know her name isn't really Serena, but you might have a hard time remembering Usagi, so we're just gonna call her Bunny, <laughs> and I was like, that's just kind of strange though, because then like you know are you gonna call Ray like you know fire soul are you gonna call <laughs> are you gonna call Minako love child like <laughs> I mean, it was just a – to, the Tokyopop editors were having a wild time back in the day mm-hmm. uh, when they first started out. But yeah, th- some of the edits were really, really weird. I think they also tried to insert like more modern slang in there sometimes, which never <laughs> fit.
0: Miki M- just comes out of nowhere and just says, yo, dog, what's up? <laughs> the,
3: this manga is the bomb.com. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, since, you know, they flipped everything, like, all those cool shirts that Shinichi wears that have the weird, like, random English. Oh, no. Uh, mm-hmm. Those got erased. So oh, he's just okay. wearing He's just wearing plain shirts with nothing on them. It run. would have
0: been really funny if they just left them backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, I would not put it past Tokyo Pop to
3: actually mm-hmm. do that. Or just tried to replace them with other things. Like, just put, like, you know cool dude on them or something like that yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: on, on, on the topic of shirts i really want shinichi's uh misery confusion shirt mm.
3: <laughs> I, right some of those shirts were actually pretty great i'm like yeah. dude why did they never make those shirts in real life those those rule <laughs> i would wear that
0: <laughs> that'd be so great all about <laughs> I, I actually have a question kind of pertaining to this so um I don't know if you guys would know this, but I'm I'm assuming when Kodansha picked this series up themselves eventually from Del Rey. Um so are, are the are the new versions just the old Del Rey publication or is it I don't think it's a new translation, is it?
1: I think they just repurposed Del Rey because they're credited in the book.
3: Yeah, I think it's just the 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 Del Rey version because Del Rey was basically Just for all intents and purposes, from what I recall, Del Rey was just like the, their manga division was basically uh, what Kudansha USA became.
0: Okay, yeah. I I was mostly wondering because like, and I I don't think, I think the Del Rey version's fine. I'm assuming it's way better than Tokyo Pops, obviously, which is not a very high bar to climb over. But um, (laughs) (laughs) there there were times where I kind of felt like the Del Rey translation felt kind of like stiff in places.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't like, um, it, it was still coming out around the time where, you know, I, I feel like the Kodansha manga titles were still kind of like, you know, they were, they were okay, but they could have been better mm-hmm. at times. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. this was still kind of early on in like the big boom of like manga translation. Yeah. Uh, as well. So I think people were, there was still sort of a, a learning curve. For sure, Yeah. And, you know, it's not always as like nice and polished as what we have come to expect now. But it was definitely a huge leap in quality from the Tokyo Pop translation. And while it might not have some of the snappy personality that sometimes the Tokyo Pop one actually managed to have, I feel like it got the tone better
0: okay that's fair because mm-hmm. i feel
3: like you know tokyo pop was so worried about like you know is this going to be cool like is this going to be popular that you know they sacrificed a lot of like actual translation for style over substance
0: okay uh, yeah. mm-hmm. which
3: didn't always work uh obviously <laughs> no, <not at> all. <laughs> and, and just because like uh like we were saying you know it ran in like mixine which was like their version of like what they were trying to do as a a manga magazine they were trying to they, they compared it to like oh you know like afternoon or nakiyoshi or shonen jump in japan you know has like a whole bunch of mix of different stories and stuff and while that is true like i think they were trying to be too broad with their yeah. mix
1: yeah i think like It was a mix of series targeted at like different age levels.
3: Yeah, different age (laughs) levels, different tastes, different genres. I I mean, for me, it worked okay because I liked a lot of the stuff that they picked. But like for a lot of people, it was pretty difficult. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier, like I said, I had friends who were in it for like Sailor Moon and Ray Earth. But then they were like, I never read this other stuff because it's too weird or too gross or whatever um which you know totally understandable because it's very different
0: <laughs> Oh, Parasite? You mean that manga with the guy for a dick for an arm? Yeah, I never read that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, in their version it was a snake. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, true. Definitely. But yeah. But yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why eventually they were like, "Well, why don't we put the girls, you know, quote manga in a, a different magazine and we'll put this stuff in a, in a, another magazine." And that worked slightly better. <laughs>
0: I-, I guess as well as it could,
3: yeah, mm-hmm. but it was it was still kind of rough because back then nobody wanted to buy like a just a magazine full of manga. Uh, it was still a pretty tough sell because like viz had tried to do that before with like manga vizen and that didn't you know sell all that great either. They also tried to do it with pulp and you know as great as pulp was, it was not flying off the shelf
0: mm, unfortunately, mm. yeah,
3: which is unfortunate because like everything that was in pulp was pretty great. Uh, I think it was just way ahead of its time. People just were not ready for that. But yeah, the translation, eh, it's not perfect, but it's definitely the best one out of the releases that we've gotten of it, thankfully.
0: I assume so, yeah. I guess uh, we kind of already went over this but uh, just in case any of us have any like other straight thoughts on this topic in particular uh renzo adler on twitter also was asking about our thoughts on the anime adaptation specifically about it using it in, like the modern day setting and everything
1: i think we already discussed this uh yeah quite
2: extensively
0: pretty but
3: much yeah.
1: yeah i think we're all in agreement but would prefer to just stuck with the setting of the manga
3: Anime companies, keep the manga story that the story is set in in the anime, please.
1: Or like completely reimagine the story to make it work in uh, present day.
3: Because yes. I don't I don't think it worked with Parasite. I don't think it worked with Banana Fish. Like no. if if something's in the 80s, please keep it in the 80s. I
0: was gonna say people still like 80s stuff. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 80s stuff is, like, super popular right now. I don't know why you would change it to not be in the 80s. Yeah, a
1: lot of nostalgia. I mean, that's why Stranger Things is so popular. You know? Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah,
3: maybe maybe Japan hasn't got the memo that, like, we all are pretty crazy for the 80s in America right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which makes me happy because I'm like, yes, I know all this stuff. My time has come. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, all right. But our last Twitter question comes from at Taboola, who asks... If you could choose which of your body parts Miki takes over, which body part would you choose? I really want to give like a funny answer and be like, my dick, but I <laughs> but I don't know. Mm.
3: I don't know if I would want any uh, th- creature living inside if I had one, <laughs> my dick. Because <laughs> that's a lot of power yeah. there. <laughs>
1: I don't know if I trust the creature in my loins.
3: Yeah. Like. Also, uh, especially considering, like later, Miggy learns how to detach.
1: Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that
0: could go wrong for you.
3: Yeah, I don't know how you would feel if, like, one day you woke up and your dick was just walking away.
0: That'd be really funny. I can I, I hope. I hope <laughs> one of the anthology stories in there is about that.
3: <laughs> if, it, if it's not,
0: then this whole thing is just—it was just a waste of time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> What are we even doing here? Somebody get on that right now. <laughs> if not, there has to be a Dojinshi about that, right? Somewhere.
0: Iwaki never lived up to his full potential.
3: <laughs> he never realized. Never <laughs> realized.
0: I don't know. I I like look, if I if I had to pick like the most the like the less inconvenient place if I had to have a parasite invade me. I would choose like my non-dominant hand. Like I, I would just I would just keep it to my left yeah,
1: hand. Yeah. I feel like that's mm-hmm. probably the best choice. Right. The only other answer I had that would be funny would be your stomach, I think.
3: Oh, that would be kind of funny. Yeah. Cause then you could for for Halloween, you could be the one the one guy from the thing.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> your gut just like opens up. Chomp chomp.
0: Someone's just like, "Hey, dude! Nice costume!" And you're like, "Yeah, costume! <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah,
1: costume! Yeah, that's a common gag to draw a face on your stuff, but no, you literally have one. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that'd be really funny. You know what? Also, would be funny that I also just thought of is, um, it'd be really funny if like a parasite invaded, uh, uh a, a female in particular, and like. The parasite just lived in their breast, and you had like eyes for nipples. Oh, oh
3: that would be weird.
0: <laughs> that would that would also be another funny joke answer. Mm.
3: That would be. That would be they, just, they just they just they
0: just like stretch out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you, you, uh, you could control the the size and shape of your breasts at will. That oh. would be kind of interesting. I, I
0: wish I wish <laughs> I knew how to draw because then I would just draw this. This would be great.
3: <laughs> I'd just be like, hmm, wake up one day, whoa. How would I look with like you know triple E breasts? Let's see.
0: <laughs> give, give myself a third breast in the middle. Get really weird. Oh,
3: you could, you, could, you could go. You could go total recall and you know be the the lady with the multiple breasts. Yeah.
0: Oh my god.
3: <laughs> oh, I was thinking like it would be interesting because like Uda has like his jaw right. Yeah. Um, like what if you got a parasite stuck in your nose?
0: Oh yeah. Mm. That'd be pretty funny.
3: Because <laughs> then you could make all sorts of like Pinocchio jokes. Oh yeah!
1: And... <laughs> oh my god! Imagine like uh, if you liar, if you're horny, like your nose becomes so, like... That would be a,
0: that would be like a great gag at parties.
3: <laughs> Yeah, you could you could be like, oh man, oh geez, my nose just won't stop running, and no. then it just pops off and just starts running away. <laughs>
1: People um, it freak out your nose, no, literally, they can get your nose. <laughs> got <Gotcha laughs>
3: nose? Oh. I'm sorry
0: we, we only just have funny answers to this.
3: Yeah, we only do just have
0: funny
3: answers <laughs> because that's way more fun to think about than like the horrifying answers, right? I,
0: I, I don't I don't think having a parasite invade my body Body would be like that useful i mean unless other parasites were coming after me but still
3: mm. well you do get like super fast and that's true you get that's true like uh super stamina and you hear better and see better you basically become you know to go back to what i said earlier you basically become peter parker <sighs> like you're super strong you're super fast uh the only thing i don't think you could do is stick on walls
0: you could do wicked parkour
3: <laughs> yeah he jumps those high walls like really well
0: mm-hmm.
3: oh yeah in the manga so yeah totally
1: Now you could be a real movie star you'd be an amazing stuntman
3: yeah you'd be a really good stuntman or athlete mm. oh man
1: uh makes so and much it
3: would be perfect because like no one would no one would clock you as like cheating because like you'd pass all the drug tests
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you'd pass the hair test too like um, if the parasite oh have, yeah yeah so, the yeah. hair test unless like they pick somehow it works with hairs on your body that's not something they didn't quite explore like if you the parasite did in your know would one of your nose hairs work if like it plugged it or mm. down the stomach would run your stomach hairs work true that's so, a question
3: mm-hmm. mm. that would be interesting but um yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having a parasite if it meant like, you know, all my health problems went away. That would be pretty sweet. Oh, that, that would be mm. great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, if I was just like super healthy, like for the rest of my days, I'd be like, mm, all right, if you don't take over my brain. Sure. And then I'd never be lonely because <laughs> I'd have a buddy. <laughs> it would make standing in line at places like a lot more, you know, tolerable. I, instead of constantly taking out my phone and, you know, draining the battery, I'd be like, Well, okay, Parasite buddy, uh, what are you up to? (laughs) How's your day been?
0: See any good movies lately?
3: (laughs) (laughs) What did you learn today? Did you learn anything interesting while reading a bunch of books while I was asleep? Of course, you know, knowing me, like, I'd probably get a Parasite who was, like, instead of addicted to learning, they'd be, like, staying up late watching Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) And then i wake up and they all they'd want to do is like be like oh my god did you see the last season of 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 you
2: <laughs> oh my
1: gosh
3: i didn't see that coming at all and i'd be like Ugh, i don't
0: <laughs> spoil every movie for you every yeah, show spoil
3: every single show every every movie then they find out how to torrent, and then I'd be really in trouble.
0: You just wake up one morning and they go, "Hey,
3: Don, did you have you seen the latest season of Stranger Things? Want me to tell you all about
0: it?"
1: You hope that gosh, they <laughs> aren't one of the types of people who likes to comment out loud, very loudly during the movie in the movie theater. <laughs>
3: Well, uh, With my luck, they'd probably like all the the genres that I didn't too. So they they they'd want to tell me all about like how Riverdale was going or something. And I'd be like, Ugh, <laughs> Ugh, I don't
1: care. Who did Archie have sex with this <laughs> time? <laughs>
0: Boy, Don, I can't believe Tony Stark died at the end of Endgame. Aww. Aww.
3: <laughs> I'd be like, man, you still watch those? Those are for babies.
0: Uh, ba- babies first cinema. No, I'm kidding. We're not making. We're not making <laughs> for people who like the MCU.
3: No, no, I'm just teasing.
0: <laughs> <Huh>. I. <laughs>
3: Although it would be fun to have to like teach my parasite, like okay, these are the movies and things that I like, (laughs) like here, and and then they're like anime. What's this? (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it. Boy, boy, this looks like shit. (laughs) (laughs) Or they start spending too much time on social media, and they're like, "Fuck, why are you watching duds? I only like subs." (laughs) This series is mid at best. (laughs) I'm like, oh, man. (laughs) My stupid parasite. (laughs) The manga was better. The show's terrible. Terrible adaptation, (laughs) Just like the parasite anime. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And then they start getting opinions on manga.
1: I'd have to listen to that. (laughs) It starts its own manga podcast. And it just takes all your
3: time away.
0: (laughs) Oh, fuck. Oh, I, I can't imagine that.
3: Oh, my gosh. They're they they just, they're just editing podcasts while I'm asleep.
0: Oh, actually, fuck. That'd be sweet. I, I could use that. Well, that'd be useful.
3: I mean, if they were editing mine, that'd be hella useful. I'd just be like, here, edit it like this. With my luck, they'd just edit it to shit and then, like, make me look bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, see, kids? Parasite's cool.
0: It's very cool. Mm. And you should read it. <laughs>
3: You should read it and then you'll totally get all these weird jokes we're making. <laughs> uh. So we
1: got a couple questions from that are basically like asking would there be more seasons in the anime? This comes no. from Cheeky Boy Wonder and Chicken <laughs> Nugget Eater 6. And uh basically, yeah, I mean the manga. The anime adapted the complete manga, and, you know, Awaki writes in the, the final volume and the afterward, basically, like, he told the complete story he wanted to. Like, he planned out the story, he got the ending, and he feels like a manga can either, like, go on forever and then just die, or it could end, and he chose the latter.
3: Which I, I think was the right decision. Absolutely. Like, I, I wouldn't want Parasite to go on forever. It, it would get too long, too played out. Yeah.
1: No, it's paced perfectly, and it tells
0: the story and the message it wants to. There is a sequel manga, apparently, done by someone else?
1: There is a sequel, so that is the other answer here, is that there won't be more of this sto- the original story. However, there is Parasite Reverse Eye, which is done by Ota, which I really love their series Tepu. so... I'm actually like, I really want this to get localized and brought over here. The premise of the sequel is basically it's about Hirokawa-san trying to investigate his dad's relationship to the the parasites and investigate the parasites themselves. So that's kind of an interesting take uh, to go with. So I would like to see this localized, and I'm surprised that kanan hasn't yet. But if anything, if there were to be more anime made, I think it would be an adaptation of that series.
3: Yeah, or even if it was just like, you know, an anthology or or something like parasite F and the M, yeah. Possibly could you could probably do something with those, but yeah, uh, like an
1: animatrix type compilation,
3: yeah. That'd be cool, yeah. actually, yeah. Something like that, but um, yeah. Uh, the The main story of Parasite is over for now, mm-hmm. and I do think it is a little odd that like that sp- that sort of sequel like never got brought over here. But it makes me wonder if um, you know when they did re release Parasite that maybe it didn't you know hit as well as they thought, and they were like, well, maybe it wouldn't do as great. Yeah. Who knows?
0: I also don't know if this is the case, but it would also be funny if Parasite Reverse he was just, like, really bad, and that's why no one was talking about it.
1: I trust the author, because I read Teppu, one of their other works, and I really love that series. It's like a Yuri MMA series, uh, really compelling characters, really cool action. So I tr- I would love to see—I want mm. Teppu to get over but I would also love, love to see Parasite Reverse, because I think they're a good writer and artist, so.
0: It's just kind of weird that, like, I haven't heard anything about this until we, like, decided to do this podcast.
3: yeah. Uh, I don't think, you know, because it's not available here in English, like, I think that's a big hurdle. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, a lot of people don't even know it exists. And sometimes even I forget that it exists because, like, you know, if it's not out in English anywhere, then it's, like, you know, it might as well not exist.
0: Pretty much, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: So, really, the only people who are privy to it are, like, the people who can read Japanese and have been following it or just the Japanese audience in general. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But
1: yeah, I think uh, we've covered that question. So here are some like just kind of thematic questions for folks. So uh, for one, uh, we got like from Mika Alisson, Like this is a question about like humans, parasites, which side would you choose? And I think like we're all humans here. I think. Uh, yeah. We probably. Well, I, I for one,
0: welcome my parasite
1: overload. <laughs> <laughs> I am not against coexistence uh, if they don't eat people, but you know.
3: Right. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, uh, I think we're all for like, you know, living peacefully with uh, whatever species makes itself known. But if it was like a choice between like, if there was a war between parasites and humans, like, obviously, I'm not gonna be like, mm, time to side with the parasites to do to do. Much like
1: Shinichi, I think we make the choice to protect uh, our loved ones.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'd probably die, but like,
0: meh. <laughs> Same, <laughs> yeah.
3: I am definitely not Shinichi level uh, fighter or athlete, so.
0: I'm very behind on my cardio, so I would be the first to go. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, with my health problems, I'd just be like, well, uh, might as well just wait for the inevitable. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but at least I'd go out vaguely swinging. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, a resistance, no matter how futile. You know. Oh god, that's it. Similar to our question about like what body parts uh we might want a parasite to take over if we were to choose. We got a question from Z Pow Pow, who asks like, uh Do you think the parasite can hack itself into the base of the spine? So basically yes. take over the spine. And yeah, I think basically on what we seen in the series, you know, Jaw took over the jaw, so
3: yeah, based on what we've seen, it seems like a parasite could live virtually anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, much like real parasites.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: parasites, uh, are a really cool s- species in general just because they're so, uh, you know, they, they adapt so easily.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's
3: why they're such a nuisance, like in, when they are present in animal or human. Because, you know, sometimes they're really hard to detect. And then other times they're very hard to remove. So yeah, like, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to. You know, unless for some reason, like if someone had spinal surgery and they had an artificial spine, uh, maybe that would make it harder. But uh, other than that, I don't see why not.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of a parasite taking over my spine and therefore possibly taking over how I move. That's kind of scary.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. See, one of the things I enjoy about uh, the manga also is that often in horror, hands can represent uh, ourselves, mm-hmm. basically, because yeah. y- your hands are what you use to communicate with the world around you and you can see them. So when you see hands in horror, they usually represent your own uh, autonomy. And so when you see hands in peril or hands that don't follow direction or uncontrollable hands or something like that, it can convey like a loss of your own control, a loss of self. And I think that uh reading works really well in Parasite because at first, you know, Shinichi is just very like lost and like, oh, my God, like I have no control over this hand and there's a monster living in it. It's, you know, very, like, you know, the the evil within sort of thing. And so the idea of, like, not being able to control your hands, like, just that idea is very scary. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, to to think, like, even on a bigger scale, like, the loss of control of your entire body would be, like, very frightening. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
1: like, helplessly conscious while your body is doing things that you can't control. Like, yeah, that is, like, Mm -hmm. just a perfect...
3: And that's something I don't think they really go too deep into the, um, in the manga is like, you know, something that I think I thought about, like this time reading it, I was like, you know, when they do take over the brain, is there a part of the human host that's still conscious this whole time? Are they aware they're being controlled? Are they aware that now they are basically a monster, but they can't do or say anything about it? Like, that would be so scary.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that'd be another like <laughs> existential nightmare.
3: Yeah, yeah, you're you're basically watching yourself like cannibalize all these humans. Ooh. <laughs>
2: oh. oh boy!
3: Like that's really scary, and and the fact that your body is moving and changing in like these horrific ways that you don't understand, like ooh which can also be like we we didn't really talk about this but like you know the the whole the fact that Shinichi is a teenager like uh and like dealing with all these weird embarrassing uh scary body changes is also like you know a metaphor for puberty yeah <laughs> dun 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 <laughs> the scariest thing of all
1: yeah if the dick joke didn't tip us off
3: <laughs> yeah right yeah. uncontrollable
2: erections
3: yeah for for the for the male readers who have those body parts Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) like (laughs) the horror
0: (laughs) i never want to go back to that no never
2: (laughs) the horror
0: (laughs) yeah i mean
1: thank you for the question. like this is the the scenario of having parasites in the spine is a cool what if concept but yeah it's been cool to see this series explore uh, yeah, this is just, uh, the p- application of parasites for different body horror stories. is just, there's so much opportunity there, which is why I'm really excited to go through the anthologies next time. Uh, yeah, but, uh, Kafufli asked uh, a question, and kind of a thematic philosophical one. Is it moral for species to preemptively attack other species of the tractory resistance? Was what Shinichi did right? And I think we kind of answered this, is that ultimately, uh, you know, we could philosophize about like grandstanding like morality uh but i think ultimately it came down to like personal decision and for shinichi and you know his situation like he did what he felt like he had to do
3: yeah i do think it's kind of cool that like a manga like this could can open the door to those kinds of like uh you know philosophical questions though uh especially like if you're a teenager and you're reading this you you know this might be the first time you ever think about these kinds of questions like you know your own personal morals and what you would do in certain situations like that because like ultimately there's no real wrong answer i mean unless you're just like um (laughs) deep inside your you're a narcissistic like sociopath or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) the
1: answer is like we'll kill everyone regardless of what they are, what they've done, just to get rid of the threat, Uh, like the soldiers. I think that's, that's the wrong, but
2: yeah. Yeah,
3: that's the wrong, but you know, uh, unless you're going that hard into it, uh, you know, it opens the door for a lot of, you know, personal conversations and uh, sort of bringing it up with like, you know, your friends and, you know, talking about like, well, what would you do in this situation and things like that, which is, You know, always interesting and fun. And again, kind of speaks to um, Awadi respecting the intelligence of the reader.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm, For sure. And then to go off on that, our final question comes from Nitro A24H, who asks, do you think something similar would happen if humanity actually had a predator like the parasites?
0: I would say yes. If not, I think things would probably just end up being worse than they were in Parasite, yeah, honestly. that's
1: my take, is that I actually, I think the response and the, how the government, how law enforcement officials, like, ultimately end up trying to deal with the Parasites felt very realistic. Uh, very much of the time, of course, and of Japan. So like in America, I think things would go very differently and a lot worse, a lot quicker. And parasite, it gets really bad, uh, with them storming the public, uh, building and then killing a bunch of humans, uh, normal humans right. <laughs> in the process of trying to exterminate the parasites. And I think that, yeah, and I think in real life, the panic and also the wild and indiscriminate use of millennium force. Uh, to exterminate parasites would be so much worse. And I, I think even worse would be like the potential of government agencies to misuse that authority uh, to do other heinous stuff in the name of, oh, we're just trying to exterminate the parasites, but then that gives us an opportunity to do some other things like wrongful imprisonments or wrongful executions. So, yeah, like that. there's a lot of uh, potential for some nightmarish uh social counter scenarios and in real life application
0: yeah
3: yeah and not to mention considering the time we live in right mm.
0: now uh-huh all of this
3: yes all of this uh the use of uh social media and um just online culture in general would probably spread misinformation like wildfire. Yeah.
0: God. Like conspiracy theories would be like a hundred times worse than they already are right oh, now yeah. in this time oh, yeah. at this point in time.
3: For sure, for sure. And you know, then it would become a question of like, well, what side are you on? Are you a, a believer or a non-believer? Yeah. Or, you know, it would
1: become a partisan issue somehow. Like God Jesus, yes
0: it would.
3: It would somehow be – it would definitely somehow become a partisan issue and it would probably be a million times worse than what we're experiencing right now with like uh, vaccinations Absolutely.
0: and yeah.
3: things like that.
0: I hate it because you're 100% right.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's like I can uh, 100% see that how that would go down because then it would also become a, a you know, a thing about how like, well – you know, now who, 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 who can we trust? Who's a parasite and who's not? And so then we'd have people asking for like, you know, uh, parasite x-rays at, uh, government offices. And then it would be like, you can't force me to do that because that's a violation of my rights. And, uh, you know. And it would just go downhill from there. And there's a comment
1: in the manga that you know, the Americans are researching how to use the parasites for military applications and definitely that would happen if
2: they yeah, existed
1: yeah. in real life. For sure. And uh, I do also fear like the parasites running for public office like,
2: oh yeah, again, yeah.
1: like if that happened and like if they succeeded, I-, I could see like, you know, uh, targeting of like lower classes or homeless people to like kind of disappear them and you know there'd be a like horrifying eugenic stuff there
3: there'd probably be a there'd probably be a whole campaign for like you know well if we have to live with these parasites well how are we going to feed them well i guess we'll just feed the yeah. homeless to them
1: feed prisoners, Jesus, yeah. yeah it'd be awful
3: or prisoners yeah like you said like people on death row oh, well, just throw them to the parasites i guess and then it would be, become a human rights issue and oh yeah Oh, it would be bad. It would be very
0: bad. (laughs) Dawn's parasite just like comes up to her one day. Hey, Don, you shouldn't get vaccinated. I hear they oh, inject parasites no. again. <laughs> the worst part, your parasite
3: got radicalized. Oh, no. Oh, no. My parasite is anti-vax. Oh, no. If
1: your parasite is anti-vax, it can prevent you from getting... The, even if you go, like, what if it hardens your skin so the needle doesn't go through? Well, oh, no. I'm just trying to protect you, Don. Oh, I have to wait till it
3: goes into its uh, sleep state yeah. or something.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> No, that's a real nightmare.
3: What if its sleep state is like in uh on uh off clinic hours? Oh no. No. <laughs> then I'd be screwed. Oh man. Oh uh, man. Oh
2: my gosh.
3: Uh, yeah. See, see, this is why you can't have parasite in the modern setting, because it just it would be too much. It would be it it just wouldn't be the same. It would just it would
0: just be one hundred times worse than anything that could actually happen in the manga. Yeah,
3: yeah, for real.
0: Ugh. God, if didn't go hard enough, that's 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 <laughs> no, what we're saying. Honestly. That's the takeaway.
3: <laughs> it's even worse than he ever imagined.
2: Because
3: uh. <laughs> honestly, who who could have imagined we'd be here like this right now? No
0: kidding. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, yeah. And on that note, um, I think that's about <laughs> it for our questions, right?
1: Yeah. No, that does it for all our questions. And yeah, thank you everyone for sending
3: in a lot of really good
1: ones. We got a lot of cool conversation out of them.
0: Mm-hmm. And thank you, Don, so much for coming on and talking about Parasite with us.
3: Oh, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure.
0: And also big thanks to Jason for coming on, who unfortunately had the dip out early. But we appreciate him coming on as well. And then I guess, uh, Don, if you want to go ahead and just uh, plug your stuff, let everybody know where they can find you. Now's the time.
3: Sure. You can find my podcast, the Anime Nostalgia Podcast, where I not only talk about anime, but also manga and fandom and things that pertain to fandom history uh, pre-social media era. So back when Parasite was actually relevant. Um, and you can find that at Anime animenostalgia.blogspot.com. Uh, anime nostalgia.tumblr.com, uh, pretty much any place where you listen to podcasts. If you look up the Anime Nostalgia podcast, you can usually find it. Uh, it's there <laughs> most of the time. Um, and if you want to see me tweet about just random stuff that I like and pictures of my cats occasionally, I'm on the Twitter. I am at bunny cartoon, all one word on Twitter. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm. Hanging out these days.
0: All right. Yeah, definitely go listen to the Anime Nostalgia Podcast. It's very good.
3: Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Uh, and I guess just for Jason real quick, I don't think he uses Twitter a lot, but I'm sure he would still appreciate a follow uh, if you want to follow him at Mockman on Twitter. We we love Jason's work and we love having him on the show. It's it's so weird to think that we that we live in a world where we could say, oh, Jason's been on our podcast at least three times at this point. Like, that's, that's <laughs> not something we thought would ever happen.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jason's a cool guy. He does cool stuff. Uh, You should check out his games that he works on. They are very cool and fun.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Try to look up his old House of a Thousand Manga articles if you can. Absolutely. Very
1: formative for me, and uh, I still revisit them a lot. They're great.
3: They are very cool little looks into uh, various uh, things that he worked on and things he likes. Um, I especially liked when I was doing my episode on Fist of the North Star not too long ago, Uh, He did a whole article on what it was like working at Viz during the time where they originally first tried releasing Fist of the North Star back in in the day. Uh, And that was a pretty interesting look at that little sliver of time.
0: Absolutely. Um, But yeah, I think that's going to about do it for our Parasite discussion. This was really great. Again, once again, we want to thank Don and Jason for coming on. We hope to have them on again in the future. But until then, Lum, I think we should go to our community shoutouts.
1: Yep, I think we've had our fill of Parasite Combo today, so I think we should wrap up with some shout outs and then slip away into the crowds. I- Thanks once again to Jason and Don for coming on the show to chat Parasite with us. It was lovely to revisit the series with them and talk about all the ways the series really does stand and hold up to the test of time and resonates and is relevant. Now, more than ever, with its environmental themes and messages. And, yeah, it was really fun to revisit the, the series. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun getting into *Neo Parasite* next week and exploring those ontologies. Before we do that, though, I mean, before we close out the show, though, I do have some further reading and some shout-outs I want to mention. For Parasite specifically, I want to... Tr- you know, recommend the manga machinations retrospective on it a few years ago for some further thoughts on the series and some different perspectives on a few things that we didn't mention or touch upon as much here. This includes the, you know, depiction of female characters in the series, which we briefly touched upon, but they had more to say on, they had more to say about the politics and parasite. So yeah, we I really love the manga show, and I think they did a great episode on Parasite a few years back. I so definitely really checked that out, and we're definitely you know uh, having Morgana on for a near Parasite discussion. So this is a good like primer of like her thoughts on the original series as well. And, of course, as mentioned on the show, Jason Thompson's House of uh, Thousand Manga article on Parasite was a great read, very forwarded to me when I was younger, and, like, making me want to check out Parasite. And he did a great job of putting in the context of, like, real-world science fiction manga time, what makes Parasite stand out to, like, other bo- body horror or body snatcher-type series, really talking about how interestingly designed the monsters are, and talking, of course, about Shinichi's arc, as well as some really cool behind-the-scenes details on, like, how Parasite was licensed by a buy- back the today and early plans with it, and, you know, all the early and aborted film adaptation attempts of Parasite. So there is really a lot of uh, great info, great analysis of history that Jason details in his South of Targets the manga article that he did bring up uh, to some extent in our podcast, but for more like even more detailed in Thoughts, definitely check out that article. And that does it for Parasite specifically, because my other shout-outs related to Parasite have to do more so with its environmental teams and its message about the coexistence of human with the natural world. My first one that I want to recommend to you guys is seen on Radio series on the environmental crisis and the history of it in their current season, the repair. Basically, the idea is, like, they're talking about the climate crisis, we're talking about the story of the climate crisis, not just the emergency. They're talking about, like, how we got to where things are now. Exploring, like, how our relationship with nature, how we've thought about our relationship with nature, how that's changed over the years, why that's changed through different ways of thinking different eras in which we have kind of redefined our relationship to the natural world as one of possession as one of like we have ownership and dominion over this land rather than we are a part of this land and we are a part of this ecosystem and then exploring like how as things have progressed and as like certain resources have been sought out and cultivated how the politics of The whole, like, oh, we have ownership of the land has shifted into we have a right to these resources. We have a right to profit off of these resources to the detriment of other creatures, other people in our world, in our community. And the series really does go deep into, like, how the climate crisis, how its history rooted in colonialism has really caused serious ramifications around the world, talking about how... Certain places in the world are like literally sinking like jakarta the capital of indonesia how there are like huge conflicts that have been started in nigeria between farmers and herders over like resources because of consequences of the climate crisis and basically yeah just like a really runs the gamut of looking at the climate crisis from a perspective like both kind of uh, ideology like How our thinking on the natural world changed to a point that we thought that we could exploit the earth and then get away with it to now. Okay, here are the worldwide consequences that aren't talked about enough, but we really should see.
2: For more
1: details on the... You know, politics of like how the big oil industries, the big causers and polluters kind of got to maintain the power that they have and why they're continuing to persist and what they're doing. Uh, Amy Vestervelt, who is co-host on the on Radio se- season on the climate crisis, also has been doing a podcast for many years called Drilled, which she describes as like a true crime podcast on climate change. And this basically is looking specifically at, you know, the corporation's in the oil industry, and how they have like continued to, through politics, and through manipulation, and through propaganda, propagate, and exploit resources to the detriment of the natural world. And so it really explores the origins of climate denial. It explores like the people responsible for the propaganda of climate denial, like the madmen of climate denial, and all sorts of fraudulent science that they've used to distract from what they're doing, uh, the consequences of it in various parts of the world and how they're affecting other communities... A recent series they're doing is like the ABCs of big oil, which is looking at how the oil industry, like through our education system, manages to weave itself in a way that presents big oil as kind of a appealing thing. It's like, oh, this is associated with Americanism and American success and this is part of our national myth and national story. And so that's a really good look at like, again, the kind of the propaganda of the oil industry and, like, how that kind of distracts from the consequences of the climate crisis and their culpability in the crisis. And a final wrap up on podcasts related to the climate crisis is American Misthege's recent episode on it, interviewing Keith Plumers, who is an assistant professor of history at Illinois State University. And this is a... Not a really big like deep history of climate change, like starting back to the origins of like human beings, really going all the way back 12,000 years ago, to look at like how climate has changed from a historical perspective, and then like how radically a different like climate change in the last like 100, 200 years has caused huge shifts in the weather patterns that have been observed historically, and then of course, yeah, tying that big in how like you know, how that is caused by these big industries and is all endemic to problems systemic to capitalism. So it is another, you know, really great thorough historical look at like how the climate crisis has evolved over the years. And then like, you know, again, the parties responsible in large part for getting us to the place where we are and like where we can go next, next steps. So yeah, I thought those would be good podcasts to shout out here as a companion piece to start a discussion with its environmental teams and exploration of like human beings and their impact on the environment and the ecosystem and the relationship of other living creatures and how they affect them and yeah like while these podcasts don't support like kind of the conclusion that here car some someone says oh humans are the the big evil of like uh, we're pro- like problems or anything like the ultimate message of this is like really it's not like every person like we have can oh it's just by nature we have for many years there have been people who do not live in a way that uh see the art as a resource be exported but see it as like a place that is like home like they see it as like deeply intimate to themselves like as something to be cherished and protected. Uh, There have been many cultures that have had those philosophies, but ultimately, yeah, like, because of the actions of a few select people in a few select industries, like, we have kind of found ourselves in the climate crisis that we are today. And I think these podcasts do a good job of outlining detailing, like, how that has happened. That does it for, like, uh, Parasite-related podcasts, folks content asymptomatically, but I do have some other shout outs I want to give mainly that I've been on a few podcasts recently that I want to plug. I was on simply G's read right to left podcast to discuss fruits basket. It was great to revisit the series again after, you know, covering it on the show last year, like doing a full reread of it. I managed to publish that about a week before recording the podcast with them. And it was a great discussion, you know, about Fruits Basket. It's really one of my favorite series. And we had a great time talking about the characters and their nuances. And there was just so much to say that we couldn't even get to everything on that episode. But we had a really good time talking about, like, Yuki and Toru and Kyo's characters in particular. We talked a little bit about another. And, you know, why I think it's like a wordy companion piece to the original manga. And we talked about, like, our relationship to the series, like, through the anime and, like, adaptation. Changes and yeah, I think it's a really great podcast. We did a really good discussion we did on Fruits Basket, so definitely check that out. And it's not the only Fruits Basket-related podcast that I've been on recently, but that one, yeah, the one is not that quite out yet, but uh, look forward to that one too. But I was on a lot of other podcasts uh, recently, including the Toonami Fateful podcast that was on recently discussed, Batman The Long Halloween, which is a fantastic adaptation of the comics. Like, I was so excited to see the anime version of it and see, like, oh my god, wow, they really took the comics and really did it justice and they didn't do it like a complete one-to-one adaptation, but they got everything essential right and it was done just so superbly like definitely one of the best Batman stories and honestly one of my favorite films period I've seen this year and it was great talking about it with Sketch and Laser and yeah it was a really fun one to be on because yeah it is such a great film and related to the family Fagal Podcast Network, it was also on the Demon Slayer podcast recently, talking about the second episode of the new Mugen Train season and our thoughts on, like, the opening-ending theme and, like, how the whole, like, concept of splitting the movie up in the parts really feels to us, where like, it feels like it's working in terms of, like, how they're splitting it up or whether it feels like it's going to lead to some unsatisfying episode distinctions and separations. So we get into that there. Uh, movie lord and nine and then i was also on the my hero academia podcast recently to talk about vigilantes the latest batch of chapters of those which was very exciting because we got to talk about the return of like uh, i think everyone on the podcast was agreed our favorite character in a really hype moment as well as the fight between koichi and number six which I really like I really like how that's been playing out and shaping out and how Koji's powers have been evolved and used in the fight. So we had a really good discussion on those chapters and yeah, it makes me excited to see where the arc is going and where the fight's going to go. And hopefully I can be on the next uh, Vigilante's recap batch. But I was also on the MHA pod recently in Colton. Uh, both of us were on this episode to talk about MHA World Heroes Mission. So if you want to hear our thoughts on the film, definitely check it out. We had a great discussion with Kendra, Sandra, and Banks on the film, and yeah, I think, you know, we we ran the gamut of, like, how enthusiastic we are for it, but I think we all agreed we really loved Rodi. He was a great character with a great arc. There were some really cool animation moments in the film, and we generally enjoyed the film, though we also talked about some of the things that didn't quite work for us in terms of the plot, in terms of how the antagonists are characterized, in terms of some of the things, and the final fight just, like, conceptually or thematically that didn't super click. But yeah, we had a really good discussion on that movie. And we also talked about uh, chapter 331. So if you want our thoughts on like Star and Strikes powers, uh, you can also listen to that for us talking about that. And uh, I'll also go back into more like community shout outs, just to mention a few other My Hero Academia World Heroes missions reviews that I really enjoyed recently from Team 4 star Chris Duckman, Tech 101, Benjamin Banks on his own channel, and Manga Machinations. I won't go too into detail on like what all of them say about the movie, but I think that all those podcasts I really enjoyed listening to, and I think they ran a good gambit of like praises and criticisms of the movie. Like, ranging from, I think, uh, the most enthusiastic would be, like, banks to the most, like, kind of negative or middling would be, like, teching. But between all the podcasts, you'll get, like, good conversation and good thoughts and critiques and analysis on the movie and, like, what works about it, what doesn't work as much about it. So I just wanted to recommend those as further shoutouts if you're interested in even more thoughts on the movie. But that about does it for the community shout-outs and plugs I want to mention on this episode. So now I think it's time for us to hold the things that are dear to us close to our heart and then head off into the world.
0: I think we mentioned it a bit earlier, but uh, definitely on our next episode, we are going to be talking about... We're we're not done talking about Parasite yet. We're going to be talking about neo parasites F&M, which are basically... Uh, two anthology collections, basically by a bunch of different manga artists that you may or may not know. We had a lot of fun talking about those with both Morgana from the Manga Mac podcast and my old friend from the Manga Corner, JD Banks. So look forward to that episode. I had fun discussing those. And uh, yeah, the, those anthologies just in general are a pretty good companion to the Parasite series. So if you haven't checked them out, you should check them out and uh, look forward to us talking about them on our next episode. As we talk even more Parasite. But uh, until then, we're going to go ahead and start letting you guys know where you can find us and all of our stuff. Uh, Lum, why don't we start with you?
1: You can find me at Lum at And it's to write applications like Animation Revelation, amulets and Letterboxd. There's Ramayasha, that's where you can find me. You can read my reviews on MangaMavericks.com. We got a lot of books coming in a lot of reviews going out. So look forward to more... On there, and that's where you can also find the other podcasts I do, including My movie show where we talk about anime movies and Lum Squad, the podcast me and my good friend Andrew AC do on the wonderful and wacky world of Magodachi's Yurisayatsa. We've been putting out a lot of episodes recently. The catches up to with his releases as a manga, and we've got episodes on the movies and the works. Now that they're on Crunchyroll. Now that they're finally coming out on Blu-ray soon. So we're really excited about that. We're really excited to get the show really pumping recently. So definitely look forward to more episodes going up. And if you like the art I make. The illustrations and animations that I do. uh, The art I do for this show. And all the podcasts I make. You can find that stuff over on my Instagram at said
0: All right. But as for me, I'm Colton. You could find me on Twitter at sniper King three, two, three. I also host and produce a few other podcasts on the side besides this one you can find links to over at my personal blog at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. Over there, I have a page dedicated to links to basically whatever I'm doing at the moment, uh, including even uh, shows that I don't really do anymore, as well as uh, a bunch of guest spots I've done on other podcasts and everything. I try to keep that as updated as possible. So if you're interested in any of my other podcasts, uh, please go to my personal blog at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. That's where you'll find basically all my other podcasts. Uh, But as for this podcast, you can find every episode of Manga Mavericks at mangamavericks.com. That's where we post every episode of the podcast first, unless you're a patron of ours at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. We're at the $2 tier. You'll get the chance to listen to select episodes of the podcast early before anyone else and before they're up on our main website. And I say select episodes because that also kind of depends on our schedule and what we have done. So if you want more reliable content, you should sign up for our $5 tier. Where over there, we upload at least one new bonus podcast at the end of every month. Uh, the latest bonus podcast we have up there is our second to last episode of our Manga Mavericks Book Club read-through of Saint Seiya, the original Saint Seiya manga from Masami Kuramata. It is my first time going through Saint Seiya as well as my good friend Doctor from the Ask Backwards Anime Podcasting Network. And yeah, we are almost done with Saint Seiya. We just have a couple more volumes left to go, and I'm very excited to uh, to see how that series ends. So if you want to listen to, uh, I think, what's going to be our first fully complete mini series, you should go listen to that, as well as our other bonus podcasts. We have a bunch of different podcasts on there that you can listen to from the past couple years that we've had our Patreon open. And just a general, you know, we mentioned at the top of the show, but if you sign up for a Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks, it's really the best way for you guys to support us and what we do on the show helps us keep the podcast and the website running. And yeah, uh, anything you can give us over there is very much appreciated. And uh, yeah, we can't really thank you enough. Again, patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, But as for everything else, you can follow us on Twitter at manga underscore mavericks. Or you can follow us on Tumblr at mangax.tumbler.com for all the latest updates on the podcast. Uh subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash manga mavericks, where we have different excerpts of the podcast, and including even some exclusive content every once in a while. Once again, that's at youtube.com slash manga mavericks. Please subscribe. Uh email us anything at manga at gmail.com. Do you have any thoughts on Parasite? Uh what are you reading right now? Uh what manga do you want us to talk about on the show? Uh, email us anything about manga or the podcast, and we'll read it on the show. We love getting emails. Again, that's at mavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. We're on a bunch of different platforms at this point, especially on Apple Podcasts. If you leave us a rating and a review... It really helps the visibility of our show. And just in general, we really appreciate any feedback you leave us, positive or negative, because uh, we really want to use whatever feedback you send us to make the show that much better. And that is going to be about it for this episode of Manga Mavericks. This has been episode 182, and we will see you guys next time for episode 183. Bye, guys. Sayonara.